For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. And uh, straight away to our phone lines and to a lady who's under pressure for time, so we said we'd uh, fit her in before the newspaper review. Morning, Megan. Hi. Uh, this is a development we only became, uh, I only became aware of yesterday, but you want to make people aware uh, of what some bridal shops are doing. So any prospective brides out there, take heed on this, or the mums, uh, or the bridesmaids, or anyone who's assisting uh, a bride-to-be. What's going on? So um, I, I, I went into a few shops there a few weeks ago, and I was turned away at the door to say, that and it was, this is in Cork City. I don't know if the whole of Cork is doing it, but it's Cork City. So basically, they said you need a booking. You need a booking. So I said, Jesus, I'm only coming in to look at I look at, at addresses, you know. But they said, no, you need a booking at their policy. So I was fine. How do I book it? And they said you have to book online, whatever. So I booked online, and all the shops so far in Cork City are charging thirty euro for you now to go looking at wedding dresses. I have questioned it as to why, and they, basically they started to show in COVID because people weren't showing up, and basically they said that, you know, but I said, sure, if, you, if I do show up, then you should be giving me, give me my money back, that's why you should be doing it, but what bugged me mostly is that I know of friends that have went on a Monday and they weren't charged, so if you go any other day of the week, you are charged, Okay. It's a policy, you need to be charged the whole time, but I just don't understand why someone can go into a shop just to go looking at wedding dresses, we turn to wait out a booking and then have to pay to go looking okay, at wedding dresses. Okay, let, let, let's, let's get to the bottom of all of this. I, I'm, I'm amazed there is a charge if you're just going looking. Yeah. And, and I mean, I know wedding dresses are expensive like, and they're, you know, yeah. you, you can't stain them, you can't be pawing them or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. But if, if you're going to look to say, I think that might suit, it's okay then, make a booking. And it's okay to charge for that slot because if you don't show up, uh, at least they'll have made something. I understand that. Yeah. And, but it's not okay. I, I don't think it's okay you know, to keep your money no. if, you, if you turn up. That, no, that like should be a refundable a booking. Yeah. If you go to a restaurant, they'll take your card and hold it on hold. And then if you don't show up, yeah, they'll charge you some, some fee. But like they're charging you if you go. And there's not even Prosecco involved. There's not even coffee. <laughs> there's nothing. That's what I'm trying to say. There's nothing. And I asked them, do I get the money off the dress? And they said, no, you don't, because that's their consultation fee. They're calling it a consultation fee. Ah, okay. And, you know, I'm sorry if I go into another clothes shop and, and ask a girl for help, is she going to charge me for my help for her to help me? If, if, if you go into, uh, like, if you go, go into yeah. Man Point Shopping Centre, you, yeah. you, you can book an appointment with there. D. Kelly Morgan as your personal shopper. Yeah. To my it's knowledge, there's no charge. They want to charge me. They're not, you know. It's mm. just ridiculous. Like weddings are costly. You're going to be paying two to three thousand at least on a dress because that's the price of them these days. And it's a scam. I just think it's a scam. That's the only word I can use because people are actually out there paying it. Like, but can, can you imagine you for know? an item ten times the cost of a wedding dress? For instance, yeah. a motor car. Yeah. Can, can you imagine but a main dealer charging a thirty or twenty yeah. or fifty euro just to come in and look? Yeah, but like, what I don't understand is you might go into a shop, you might have a day out with your bridesmaids and pay. I think it's a 20 euro some are charging, but most of the ones in Park City are 30 euro. So you're going into maybe two or three shops. That's 90 euro. And you might not come up with a dress. That's a scam. I'm sorry, but it's a scam. Okay. And I, look, I'm trying to be the devil's advocate here and look at it from both sides. I imagine the last thing that um, shops need or want is, uh, is brides and bridesmaids coming in, uh, looking at a particular style of dress and then going off and buying it online. Mm-hmm. But that's what's happening, and that's what's going to happen. People are going to start buying them online, and that's when the shop is going to be crying for people to come in. That's what's going to happen. Like before COVID, they never had this. Because I, I, I have people that I've been bridesmaids for, they've, they've never had this. 
this was brought in during COVID and they've just kept it. How, are you, how, how many bridal shops, how many um, wedding dress shops are there in Cork? There is about three. I, can only, oh, I only know three off my head in the city. I can only, I can only, I don't want to name any now, but I can only, I can only know three. Yeah. No, I can only, I only know three in the city. There's obviously other ones down East Cork and down by Kinsale is meant to be a great one, but that's the only ones I know of. I don't know if they're charging, but the ones in Cork City are charging. Yeah, well, you'd, you'd say something if it was thirty euro for the booking, but this includes tea, coffee, biscuits, yeah, prosecco, oh, no. or your choice. That, you know, then, then at least, at least there'd be some reason to keep the money because they're supplying no, a service. I was told but, when I went in if I wanted prosecco, I have to pay fifty euro. Okay. Um, yeah, that's another wash twenty. There's that's huge zero. expense to, to a wedding these days. Yeah. That's why there's not really so many of the traditional yeah. weddings. There's unique and destination weddings happening now. Uh, People who work in bridal shops have a lot of expertise and are very knowledgeable about styles, designers, materials, what suits various body Mm -hmm. shapes, etc. Says a texture. Is it not worth the consultation fee for this? But they never charged before, so why are they charging now? That's my argument. That's my argument. You know, I just think weddings are costly as it is. People are struggling by to pay Billy and I use this. I, I think uh, the best yeah, the best happy medium is, is to charge, but to charge for the refreshments. That more or less guarantees yeah, you'll come in. The last thing they want is an empty shop. Yeah, I'm try, trying to see it from both sides. What, what, other, what other expense What other expense are, are you seeing around the wedding? Because we had an article about hen parties and the expense of um, hen parties. I haven't really thought of anything else yet, but just trying to focus on me getting my dress at the moment. So I, I haven't even looked at bridesmaid my dresses yet. But, I mean, you're talking... We're talking at least two k, if not three, for the right dress. Why? Right. Why are you doing it all? Is it a, is it the traditional wedding you want? Well, I suppose I want to get married in Ireland. Do you know? Yeah. Do you know? And I want to get married where I'm from. And do you know? Mm-hmm. But I just think that, like, if you want to try and look at wedding dresses, you shouldn't be refused at the door. Number yeah. one. Do you have a and date? Because the most important thing is securing a venue or a hotel or a castle or whatever yes, you want. I have all that sorted. Yeah, yeah, I have all that sorted. It's next year, like, but it's just, I just think if you go to three shops and you still don't have one, that's 90 euro down the drain. Yeah. And if you go to another three shops, you're going to have to pay it again. Yeah, there's, there's a little bit of stress in, in your voice, Megan. You're, if, you, if you're nearly a year out, can, can, can I just venture that maybe your significant other isn't stressed out? No, he is. He thinks it's bonkers because he? <laughs> if he goes looking at suits, he's not if, like he's not charged. So coming in there is a sexist in, in, in my eyes. You know, why aren't like the men are being fitted and they're being they're not being charged at all? <laughs> oh yeah, but it's 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 a different ticket item. Uh, you you probably buy a rent a suit in, in the hundreds. The, why, should the, why should the woman have to pay? Like you know, yeah. you know that's my argument. That's all I'm saying. Like. And do, do you watch these programs like Say Yes to the Dress and all that? They do, yeah, and they don't charge. From what I've watched, they don't charge. Yeah. It seems to be like, as far as I know, it seems to be like an Ireland only thing. <laughs> yeah, okay. So uh, if, if there are any... that went to London and they weren't charged. Yeah, if there are any wedding stores that would like a little airtime and come on and explain they practice, mm-hmm. uh, they'd be more than welcome. I think the happy yeah. medium would be to charge but include the Prosecco and the tea or coffee or whatever. Yeah, you know. exactly. Or like, not even Prosecco, a can of Coke or something. Something, <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right, no. Megan. Best of luck with right. it next year. Thanks, William. Thank you. Uh, thanks Take very care. much. Uh, Amy. Hi, Amy. Hey, how are you doing? Okay. What's your take on it? Um, no, I look, I, I think it's, it's perfectly reasonable. Um, as you, one of the textures already pointed out, like these people are experts in their field. They have hundreds of wedding dresses in their shops and they're able to 
generally what they do is they'll hand you a portfolio. They'll give you 10 or 15 minutes to kind of browse through and for you to pick out things that you like. Then they'll know exactly from that catalogue what sorts of dresses they have in their shop that are going to suit you and your body type and your frame. And they will pluck them out of, you know, a couple of hundred dresses that they have. They spend an hour being your personal servant, more or less. They are helping you in and out of every single dress. They are donning it up. They're zipping up the back. They're pegging it. That's a service. It's not a case that you're just going in to look at dresses. You know, they, they, they should be they should be paid for the work they're doing in that hour. They're not free labour or, you know, any of that. So 30 euros, a very, very minimal charge to say somebody spent an hour plucking out dresses for me, helping me into them, putting me, like zipping me up, putting on pegs where it needs to be to show what this dress will look like on me once it's altered. That's a massive service. And most places do provide Prosecco if you end up buying the dress, like, you're not going to have, you know, troves of, of parties of, of women coming in and out the door. Oh, if it was, if it was free per second while you try stuff on, there'd be tyre kickers coming in all the time with no intention of buying. But you, you've, exactly. g- you've given a great flavour to the other side of the story. Uh, and perhaps I was overcritical of, of the charging. Now I, now I understand why it, it kind of does make sense. Yeah, I mean, again, that's just an hour that, that the person has literally done and that you have, you've been in there. So... You know, they need to clean down everything. And the, the reason for needing to book is if you're in there and obviously not yourself now, because I, I don't think you'd be getting a wedding dress, Nick. Um, but if, if there's a, a bride inside the shop, you know, they don't want people trying to come in or, you know, barging in while they're having their time being fitted into the dress. As well as that thing, you know, usually a lot of the, the bridal shops is just a, a one one woman show that she's in there she dedicates that hour to that person to help them okay so, so if they don't buy anything is, is an hour a typical consultation generally yeah an hour they they spend with you sometimes it does go over then some people want to come back for a second well then, then it would make perfect sense because you're paying for privacy exactly so like one person could come in right they could narrow it down to two dresses that they're not sure about they have to go away and think about it and then they have to come back for another fitting. During that fitting, then they might turn around to the, the person and say, you know what, actually, I want to try on a few more as well. So that's more of that person's time taken up. And again, if, if that just keeps happening and they have absolutely no income, then how are they supposed to pay their bills and look after their family and everything else? So it, it's completely justified. Well, I, w- I would say the profit on a wedding dress would be fairly substantial now. It would, but how many are they going to be selling each day? You know, there might be several days go by where they might not sell any. Um, a lot of wedding dresses as well are reduced at the moment. Like you'll go into any, if you want a bridal village, um, it's basically uh, like the, the Argos of wedding shops. All the wedding shops post on bridal village. You can go on there and you'll see thousands of wedding dresses that are like 50% off, 40% off massive, massive reductions across the board. So, like, wedding dresses can be got pretty reasonable nowadays. Mm-hmm. All right, Amy, that's, that sheds another light on it. I think our next caller will disagree with you, but uh, thanks very much anyway. <laughs> is, no is, thanks a million, bye-bye. Is it Marie or Mari? Hello? Hello? Hi, is it Marie or Mari? Marie. Maria. Okay, you kind of go the other way, would you? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, if you're trying to make a sale, why would you, why would you charge someone? You know, someone's coming in to buy something from you. I don't think they should be charging for that service. I think you're there, you're trying to make a sale yourself, and then you're charging the person to potentially buy something from you. 
Well, on, 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 on that side, I can see more of why they're doing it now, and I can, I can understand a little bit more. But on that side, if you have paid for a consultation and you do buy, I think it should be taken from the price. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you see someone trying to sell you a car, I mean, they're not going to charge you to show you the car. Yeah, I'm or a, take a test drive of car. I, I mentioned you that know? already, it's, but that's, that's down to the salespeople selling you the car. With, with a dress, it's a different because it has to fit and it has to be tailored probably. Uh, and adjusted, and then it it has to make the bride yeah, feel like a million dollars. Yeah, but you don't have to. Why should you pay for that service? I mean, I did work in a wedding shop years ago, you know, for for only about a year, whatever, you know. There was absolutely no way you would charge somebody to try on a dress or to put a few pegs on the back. I mean, it doesn't take that long. And, and what, about, what about what uh, Amy said about them uh, being your personal servant for an hour? And that needs to be, and, and you're buying your privacy as well because you're, there's no one else booked in for that time. I know, but that's what it's all about. I mean, this is relatively new that people are charging for appointments. It's relatively new. And that's why we're trying to get to the bottom of exactly what's happening. I'd love to talk why? to a wedding dress uh, shop owner. Sorry? They're just, looking for more, they're just looking for more money. And I mean, not every shop is doing it. There's only certain shops doing it, you know. And I think that's going to put people off. I mean, you're not going to, go, like, if you've got a variety of shops, and we'll say three out of ten are charging you for the service. You're not going to pick those shops to go to first. You're going to go to the other ones. So yeah. potentially they could be missing out and losing out on sales. Did you get married or is it still in the future? No, I'm married. Married and yet? I wasn't charged. Yeah, you, you weren't charged? charged? Irish wedding, traditional no. wedding? Absolutely, yeah. 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 Would you do it all over again or would you go abroad or maybe do something smaller, more personal, I'd more intimate? i do it all over again. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, traditional Irish wedding was fabulous. But that charging for dresses, I think, is just a disgrace. Yeah. It's an absolute okay. disgrace. Well, it's know? a consultancy fee, and I'd like to get to the bottom of exactly how it is, uh, you know, what's accounted for in it. Do you get the Prosecco for the money? Do you get the private hour for the money? You, you obviously get the consultation and the expertise for the money. Uh, but what exactly does it buy yeah, but you? you get that everywhere else as well. Yeah, true. Without having to pay for it. All right, Marie, thanks a million. Thanks to Amy and thanks to Megan for opening the programme this morning. We'll have the newspaper review in a moment. You're listening to Court's number one talk show. I just think he's a brilliant interviewer. The Neil Prenderville Show on Court's Red FM. And with the time at 26 minutes past nine, let's have a quick dip into the morning papers. Fatal assault victim died of cardiac arrest. An 89-year-old man who had... uh, was fatally assaulted in hospital, died of cardiac arrest due to a traumatic brain and spinal cord injury complicated by aspiration of blood due to blunt force trauma. An inquest have heard Matthew Healy was a retired farmer, lived in Berings, County Cork. The widower died on January 22nd at the Mercy University Hospital. He was a patient at the time of his death. A Cork coroner's court yesterday, Dr Margaret Bolster, the state pathologist, said she performed an autopsy on Mr Healy at the city morgue Following his death, after Dr. Bolster gave the cause of death, the inquest was adjourned as criminal proceedings are underway in the case. Sergeant Fergus Toomey said that a man has been charged with the murder of Mr. Healy and is due to go on trial at the Central Criminal Court, though a trial date has yet to be fixed. Front page of The Echo. Uh, The mirror has Brazilian librarian died of asphyxia, her inquest is told. A Brazilian librarian found dead in a flat last New Year's Day died of asphyxia. Due to manual strangulation, an inquest has heard. Bruna Fonseca uh, was from Formiga in Minas Gerais. Uh, she uh, graduated from the Centro Universitario de Formiga in 2018 and moved to Cork 
in September 2022. She was working as a contract cleaner, uh, coincidentally at the Mercy University, uh, University Hospital. At the time of her death, her aim was to improve her English. And uh, you can check that story out in the mirror. Also on the Echo Front page today, 215 termination notices found to be invalid. Almost half of termination notices issued to tenants in Cork since June of this year were found to be invalid according to new figures from a local housing charity. The Cork branch of housing charity Threshold revealed that of the 485 termination notices it has examined since June of this year, 215 were deemed to be invalid. That's a huge percentage. The eviction notices were received by tenants in the Cork area. Echo front page. Back to the mirror. Uh, vigil for Happy Emily. A silent candlelit vigil for the young girl who died while swimming in Cork took place last night. Emily Roman, who was just seven, would have turned eight yesterday, died after being swept out to sea at Fountainstown Beach on Tuesday evening. Tears were shed as Emily's twin Jeremy handed out tea lights to the crowd in Crosshaven. Sister Inga said, uh, we are all very grateful for your support and members of the RNLI Coast Guard, the Fire Service Guardi and the Port of Cork attended. That uh, extremely sad story uh, from this very week. Cops are hunting Ironman swimmers' footage. Uh, Guardi have appealed for witnesses and a video footage of an Ironman swim race in which two competitors died. There's not a lot of good news yet this morning in the papers, is there? Uh, Brendan Wall, 45, and 64-year-old Ivan Chittenden uh, lost their lives, uh, lives last month. Brendan lived in Solihull in England, but was originally from County Meath, and a retired accountant Ivan from Toronto in Canada uh, died swimming off the County Cork coast. Now Gardaí are looking for uh, footage from anyone who had running footage or dash cams maybe pointed uh, out there or whatever uh, in the area. That is uh, in the sun today. Back to the Echo, and a publican's been fined for having 48 people uh, outside the premises. A publican and restaurateur who had 48 patrons sitting outside his premises in breach of then-COVID regulations allowing 15 people outside said through a solicitor it was not as if the premises inside was packed with patrons doing the hokey-pokey. 55-year-old Tony Campion, publican of the Silver Key, uh, Ballantemple, and proprietor of the adjoining Il Primo restaurant, pleaded guilty to breaching an October 2020 COVID restriction. Just Judge Marion O'Leary convicted him, fined him €500 Euro at Cork District Court yesterday. You can check that out in the Echo today. Professor Kyo, one of our finest historians, meant to get to this yesterday, uh, but didn't get, a, didn't get time really. President Michael D. Higgins has led the tributes to distinguished UCC historian Emeritus Professor Dermot Kyo who passed away on Wednesday. Professor Kyo was 78 and died peacefully in his Cork City home following an illness. Uh, an illness. To the mail we go and horror in Rome as two Irish tourists are killed crossing the road. Uh, two Irish tourists have been run over and killed in a horrific car accident on what's been described as one of the most dangerous roads in Rome. Check it out in the mail. And uh, finishing up after all of that bad news uh, with um, a, a slightly light-hearted story. And we have a um, pretty clever headline as well. Eclared for takeoff. So a pun on clear, cleared for takeoff. Eclared for takeoff. Um, Mick had a tart attack. It was pretty flanny, says the paper today. This is the Sun's front page. Uh, Ryanair boss Michael O'Leary was splattered uh, by cakes. Uh, well, they are called cream pies. Um, but a pair of climate activists yesterday. You've got to be very careful around uh, that terminology. He was holding a one-man demo in Brussels when he was struck in the face by the desserts. Uh, but publicity-hungry Mick later thanked the duo 
uh, for the walloping after flight sales took off. He laughed, if me taking a cream pie delivers us a lot more bookings over the next couple of days, I will happily take one. He does, in the picture on the front of the sun, look a little shocked. And whereas I would imagine he would have found out uh, the name of those two ladies and bar them for, uh, for life from any Ryanair flight, uh, he got cake-faced, but he laughed it off. Uh, the two pies calmly uh, asking an assistant to have his jacket cleaned. He was holding a one-man demo outside the European Commission against repeated air traffic controller strikes in the EU. The uh, top executive was standing next to a cardboard cutout of EU chief Ursula von der Leyen uh, when two female activists planted the pies telling him to stop the pollution. Ryanair posted on Twitter, which is X, uh, that the boss had received a warm welcome in Brussels. Uh, Passengers so happy with our routes and petition that they're celebrating with cake. Read the full funny story. Uh, And I suppose there's no such thing as bad publicity. Acres of it this morning uh, from Michael O'Leary and his airline and his protest, which would have gone probably unnoticed without this Incident. Now then, before uh, we take our commercial break, uh, oh no, I'll do it afterwards. I want to tell you all about Free Food Friday. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Coming up on 23 minutes to 10 on this Friday morning, the uh, 8th of September morning for the Neil Prenderville Show. It being Friday, it's Free Food Friday. Of course, we want you to text or WhatsApp us saying who you are, where you work, and why you want us to pick you. This is for Roosters Piri Piri in Douglas and Blackpool. Winners get a selection of starters consisting of chicken skewers, chicken wings, beef skewers, mains including chicken pitas, beef burgers and chicken wraps, all of course basted in their famous medium Piri Piri sauce. And they're going to throw in Piri salted fries, rice and waffle fries. There's bags and bags of food to feed about 15 or 16 people. Uh, We'll also throw in portions of Piri mayo and garlic Piri mayo and you can build your own cheesecake if you win as well with a selection of toppings like Kinder Bueno sauce, Kinder Pieces, Nutella and lots more. All available uh, if you want to peruse the uh, fine uh, the fine food there at roosterspiriperi.com and once again Roosters Piri Piri are in Douglas and in Blackpool. Funny story from uh, one of the morning papers before we go to uh, our next phone call and it's to do with Stephen King the uh, horror writer author he wrote The Shining, he wrote so many of uh, scary books uh, which were made into movies um, but uh, somebody once said, I think it was Paul Edgecombe, that a man with a good wife is the luckiest of God's creatures. But there's only so far you can push it. And what could be worse than playing this song over and over and over again? That's what Stephen King was doing. That's Lou Vega, uh, Lou Vega and uh, Mambo number five. But, but what he said is, I played it a lot. He's now 75 years old. Uh, he's still with the wife, by the way. They're 52 years married. But in an interview with Rolling Stone magazine, he said, I had the dance mix. I loved those extended play things. And I played both sides of it nonstop. And one of them is just total instrumental. It began to drive my wife mental. Uh, I played that thing until my wife just said, one more time and I'm going to effing leave you. So King appears to have listened. They're now celebrating around the first, just about their 52nd wedding anniversary, but it's making the uh, morning papers. Uh, Mambo number five. Another funny story with this song. Somebody played this song. As Bill Clinton was walking on stage to give a speech uh, about the uh, Good Friday Agreement in Belfast, and out from all of the speakers blared a little bit of Monica in my life. Right then, let's go to the uh, phone lines, line two and to uh, Willie O'Sullivan. Good morning, Willie. 
Hi, Mick. How are you? Okay, I'm good. Now, you're working in community projects. Uh, Mick, I just want to bring it to people's attention there. The, um, it's related to, you know, the, the current dispute that's going on between the Commissioner Drew Harris and the community guards uh, about the roster. Okay, so the community um, guard is being disbanded. This is it. It's within that roster that it's, it's, it's not known, it's, it's deliberately not being said, that within that roster... Part of it is related to the standing down of, of community girls in all areas. Now, this this is going to be a huge hit on all communities, making up. Um, just I suppose to, to explain to you how he's going to do this, the basics of it. In in every area, in all areas, the the girls they work in it, what, what they call a district, we call it an area, but it's girls' districts. But in each district, there are four units. Now, what Drew Harris proposes to do is stand down all community guards and add a fifth district, or sorry, fifth unit within the district. Now, to be a reason for this is so that you will then have enough police, a guardy, to put on the streets, which is what the politicians are looking for, I suppose. That's what everyone's looking for. Anywhere, yeah. You know? And so we will have nice shiny uniforms up and down O'Connell Street and Patrick Street. We will have no guardian in our communities. Now, the effect of this in our communities is going to be devastating. And, like, the role of the, of the community gallery, and I, kind of, I, just, I just point out maybe one or two points, small points, where the, gallery, the community gallery will be missed. Like, patrolling the communities, meeting with local people, youths, children... Elderly. There's community and, buses, uh, isn't there, which help get elderly people well, around is, and bring young people is, to sporting that, events? Yes, that's another uh, element of it. But, like, just to finish that, that section, like, it's the last line of connection between the people and the Gardaí. And then after that, you have how is it going to affect the community bus, which is set up by community guards, driven by community guards. The elderly are going to be left stranded. That, that bus brings the elderly to social outings and then young people to sporting events, all this. Are we going to lose our community bus as well? But then more importantly, Mick, to me, in my mind anyway, is our GYDPs, our Garda Youth Diversion Projects, which have been set up over the last 20 years by the Department of Justice, funded by the Department of Justice through Europe. But um, these these projects are catering for thousands of young children all over the country, maybe hundreds locally, you know. They're but but what, what, what if somebody said to you that that's not the guard's job? There's a more serious job to be done, and that maybe is what Drew Harris is concentrating on. Well, it's been the girl's job for the last 25 years. Why should it change now? Okay. Why, 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 they make, why should our communities suffer? Because they want to put more guardie on the streets. You see, they should leave. What Drew Harris should do is realise that the most effective part of of, of uh, gathered activities is community policing. Leave that as it is. Get on to Leo Varadkar, who, by the way, strongly supports Drew Harris in this standing down of community girls. He's come out. He's come out in favour of this. Put his hand in his pocket. We're we're loaded, Mick. We have money coming out through our seams. Let the government put their, their hands in their pockets, all money, by the way, fund Drew Harris with the money to put those uniforms on Patrick Street and O'Connell Street, but leave our community, Gardaí, alone. They're too valuable 
to communities, like particularly these these cardio diversion projects, like the the effects of this is that there are, as they say, thousands of young people. And the the other side of this as well is all this is happening. Well, you can go to any gas station in the city or the country to get a form signed or get some advice on something, and you'll be greeted by a guard sitting behind the desk. Well, he doesn't want to be, by the way. He wants to be out in that uniform. Okay. Civil servants, get civil servants behind that desk and put the guard out in the street. It's, it's, it's just unbelievable. Like, and, and like for something like this to happen and go and try to be smuggled through under the guise of a, of a guard or roster is not good enough. All right, will, so, you, will, you, will you just hold on there? I want to speak to John Parker, who's the Garda Representative Association rep uh, here in Cork. Good morning to you, John. Good morning. Uh, there was an audit done on, on these projects and on the benefits of uh, Community Gardaí, John. Uh, and and the, the, the stark reality here is what this costs is equal to what it costs to keep one person in prison for a year. Um, do you take Willie's point that this has been smuggled through or, or is, is, is there an overriding positive reason for it? Um, what I would say to you, <clears throat> look, is that um, figures can be brought together and I would assume that in, in evaluating that situation, large-scale events, high, you know, high-cost events um, that are tagged as community-related um, are being apportioned to it. The value of the community guard in the community is immeasurable. You know, like, active patrolling cannot be costed. Crime prevention cannot be proven as regards what was prevented. So if, if somebody wants to make a case and say something um, isn't cost-effective simply because they want to change the status quo and they want to have a business case to, to back it up, a, a, anyone can, can do that. You can make figures jump, jump through hoops to achieve um, your, your goal. Um, a lot of people don't realise the um, function of, of um, the community guard. And you mentioned the youth diversion programme. Look, the juvenile liaison officers are the main personnel administering this, but community policing have huge input into many aspects of diverting youth um, from crime, public order offences. Um, the community guard is heavily involved in school visits. Many are deeply embedded volunteering in local sports clubs, youth groups, um, scout groups. Um, th- their function and role uh, in these is to engage meaningfully with young people. They're supposed to develop and, and foster positive fr- relationships, um, promote young persons' personal safety and, and their development. And because of this, look, they're the lifeblood of the community. And it's often the first person that a, a port of call by a parent when their child is in trouble with the law, the familiar face that they've met down at the school or the club. And that guard can act as an intermediary between his colleagues and, and the youth's parents for the purposes of informing them, you know, keeping them abreast of the situation, explaining in simple terms the process that will be followed. Um, also, it's it's not really known um, the amount of um, projects that the community guard is in. I mean, like they oversee the neighbourhood watch and community alert programmes, and there's many similar initiatives modelled on these, such as business watch, hospital watch, pharmacy watch, uh, and others. They deal with the refugees and the asylum seekers. Um, they deal with very many diverse groups, such as. Um, such as uh, relig- religious groups, uh, um, and there's a constant call um, for the role of the community guards to get involved in, in 
in issues and none of these can be costed or evaluated. Yeah. I, I think both you guys are in agreement, Willie and John, then. One, one from a kind yeah, of official side, okay. one from the community side, that you cannot yeah. put a price on, on, on good community relations, two-way communication, mutual respect, not just for the enforcers of the law, but for the law itself. Well, Mick, John has just agreed with everything I said and added a few more relevant good points. But could I ask John a question? Does he know about the, this issue of community guardy being stood down? Has he been told about this? And <laughs> he, he hasn't said whether he agrees or not. He's told us the benefits and, and of all it and the, the, the bad points of it. But has he been told, or is this hush-hush, because anybody who's sworn me in the community, by the way, Mick, this is the worst held secret in the community. Everybody is saying to me, this is happening. Just Fianna Fáil people in the community, Fianna Gael people in the community. This is happening, but you didn't hear it from me. You know? <laughs> is it, is it official, John, or is it coming in by some element of... I can answer that. Um, when the details come out and it caused a little bit of a shockwave through the community, there was a lot of readjustment as to how this would be pictured and how it would be factored out uh, into the public. Um, because like the closing of Garda stations, um, it was seen as a great idea in the beginning. And then people saw it afterwards as um, not being the best of ideas in some lo- localities. And in, in some areas, what they did was, rather than close the Garda station, they decided we can leave it on the books on paper, uh, but it'll be open between 6 and 7 p.m. in the evening and not 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. or whatever that it traditionally had. So you can count these in a lot of manners. But what was said by the organisation was that the first to move into these fifth units would be non-appointed personnel. And the non-appointed detectives are appointed. The non-appointed are the likes of our community guards and our drugs units. And, you know, as they say, past history um, would be an indicator of future performance. Well, when, when this six on four off roster came into being in 2012, we, we had four units and then it became a fifth unit. It stripped 25% of the personnel off of the other four units to create this fifth unit, with the only benefit being that for maybe two hours of the day in some shifts, there's extra manpower available for that very short window. But for the other eight hours of the shift, you have stripped the unit there of 25%. But it looks so better on paper. It looks better on on paper that you can target um, searches and, and checkpoints and whatever. But you have a fixed two-hour window where you may only have needed five extra personnel, but you're after putting a full shift of 10 to 15 people on on that tour. And in some instances, they don't have patrol cars in communications rooms. They didn't have the desk to sit at. So they had to go in, make themselves look busy. But th- this is like musical it's chairs, John. There's going to be a likely yeah. reduction, I think, is, is what you're indicating, in the strength of the divisional drug units. Uh, now, there's been recent improvements in staffing there. But all of this resulted from an, uh, an initiative by Commissioner Drew Harris in uh, July. Was it 20, two years ago? Um, so is, is it... Like, like, for instance, I'm, I, I'm thinking that there's 1.2 million euro found instantly uh, for the Gatso vans this week because of the tragic deaths on the roads. But this seems to be a revolving circle. Let's take it from here and beef up here. Then we'll take Mick, it from I, there and we'll Mick, beef I up I there. question, Joe, please? Yes, quickly. Yeah. Am I understanding John Wright when he's saying the, Gardaí, the community Gardaí will be stood down, but on paper they'll be there? 
If that is right, you know what? <clears throat> you know, when the community gallery come through, there's a little old lady down the back of Comera Park there. I go down to her and I hand her that bit of paper and say, you've no community gallery, but I have a read after that. He's, he's not, no. It's, it's, <clears> I, I yeah, said it I, looks better on paper, Willie. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a shuffling around it. exercise. Ex- yeah, exactly. But what, what the gallery will be gone. Yeah. The community gallery will be gone. And on, but on paper, we'll have them. And Willie, just, just let John answer there. Cur- currently... Um, it, it could be said that the community guard works off of, let's say, for instance, Unit C. So to, to allay people's concerns and to stop the public furore, what will be said is, no, 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 the, 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 the community guard is, is still there. He, he's on Unit C. But w- what will happen is that his hours and his duty will be diverted. Yeah, he'll be, he'll be too busy to do any community guard guard work. And you'll be told, yeah, that's his email address and give that a shout or that's his mobile number, leave a voicemail and he'll try and get around to you. But from my interaction with community guardee, very often when there's a crime, you know, first out, you, 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 you get the PR instance in it. If it's a, a serious crime, you, you rush to it, you deal with the people that's there, you follow up on it. You pass it on to the detectives who may do the investigation if, if there's forensics and other things involved. But the aftercare service, the package where we haven't forgotten about you, where there's elderly and vulnerable people, it's, it's the community guard. And through the assistance of voluntary organisations that deal with the elderly and deal with the youth of the community, it's these people who often contact the guardie to say there's a vulnerable elderly person yeah. in this area there's kids playing ball they're causing noise and hassle and the community guard will call around to them and reassure them but and he won't be there John intervene with the young fella but what will happen is he, he'll be there but he'll be in some other part of the district on another duty and he'll be dealing doing with something else not yeah. dealing something with that issue that some other guard could be dealing yeah. with yeah well, well, well you've made great points uh, John finally can I just say to you and I won't mention the area I won't mention the guard but the best policing I've ever seen was where there was an element of a community guard uh, voluntarily taken on by this particular guard but he just engaged so much with the community that the mutual respect was huge uh, he helped a lot of young people and I, I'm just thinking it'll be a huge loss if the community guards are diverted, uh, not on paper because we'll still have them, uh, but their duties will be, will be almost sucked away from them and their ability to help the community. Look, if, if it was coming in covertly, Willie, it's in the open now. It's open for discussion, so let's see where it yeah, goes. I just, I just think it's a cosmetic exercise and the guards are still being stood down and on paper they're there. They're not good to us make on paper. We want to see the uniforms in the communities, not... And also on O'Connor Street and Patrick Street, but we don't want to lose them at the expense of the community. Yeah, exactly. Fair point, Willie. Thanks a million. And John Parker, uh, Garda Representative Association, Cork Representative. Thank you as well and good morning. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086 8104 106. Cork's Red FM. Just not enough minutes in the hour for this program. I've been asked to give this a mention and I want to do it now before uh, things get uh, a little hectic as they tend to do on a Friday. Cork's Red FM are official media partners for the newly named Very Pink Run. Uh, now, the Very Pink Run returns this year bigger and better than ever. Uh, it's going to be in Dublin, Kilkenny, and here in Cork. And this is all in support of breast cancer. Ireland happening this Sunday on the grounds of MTU and uh, it's happening at 12 noon and there are other options if you'd rather participate in the Very Pink Run in a virtual sense anywhere that suits you. You can also do this uh, you don't have to attend on the day you can do this between September 30th and October 8th so participants here and we're looking for volunteers can uh, choose to do either a 5k or a 10k distance whether it's running, jogging, walking wheeling or scooting. Uh, We'd even accept drivers. (laughs) Everyone 
is welcome, even pets. So get uh, the pets to the very pink run as well. No upper or lower age limit here. The event is uh, not just for seasoned athletes. And there's going to be a festival atmosphere if, if you attend on the day with food trucks and entertainment. And all proceeds will help to fund life-saving research and the continued provision of good breast health education and awareness programs nationwide by Breast Cancer Ireland with the ultimate goal of transforming this disease into a treatable illness long term. You can register right now and find out all the details at www.verypinkrun.ie www.verypinkrun.ie And I just didn't want 12 midday to come with me not having mentioned that. The Very Pink Run is all in aid of uh, and support of Breast Cancer Ireland. You can register right now and find out all the details. Attend or don't attend, but please take part in some way at www.verypinkrun.ie Now... Show, Red FM. And on Fridays, this programme is the home to Free Food Friday with Roosters Piri Piri in Douglas and Blackpool. Big shout out for anyone now who wants to win some food. Text or WhatsApp saying who you are, where you work and why you want us to pick you on 86 106. We're going to feed 15 or so people. Winners getting a selection of starters consisting of chicken wings, skewers and beef skewers, a selection of mains including chicken wraps, chicken pitas and beef burgers, all meats basted in their famous medium peri-peri sauce and they'll also throw in peri-salted fries, rice and waffle fries and throwing in Gar- uh, portions of uh, piri mayo and garlic piri mayo and you can build your own cheesecake if you win with a selection of toppings like Kinder Bueno sauce, Kinder Pieces, Nutella and lots more. You can check it all out on roosterspiripiri.com or pay a visit uh, in person to Roosters Piri Piri in Douglas and in Blackpool. Free Food Friday, Craig and the group at Pat McDonald's Paints on the uh, Commons Road working hard in this heat Lunch would be a fantastic morning. Make really hungry here at Architectural and Metal Systems on Little Island. We're working hard extruding profiles mm, for the window and door industry all over Ireland and abroad. Uh, would love if we could munch some tasty treats from Roosters. Yummy. Fingers crossed for us here at the office and in the, uh, in the dye shop. Thank you and have a great day, says Selena and D. I love doing these, uh, Selena and DJ, I love doing these mentions when I can be relaxed. Uh, coming up at about quarter to twelve now, we flying through them. Free Food Friday please, uh, please pick the team at Amber Oil in Formoy. Our office team drivers and mechanics. We'd absolutely love roosters on this beautiful day. Uh, we'd be happy to collect our meat somewhere if Formoy is too far. Very considerate of you. Thanks in advance guys, says Chantel. Uh, all the hard workers in the loading section of Aer Lingus Cork Airport. We'd love the munch. How's Mick? All of us at Foley's Plumbing and Toker would love the grub as things are starting to get really busy for the Christmas rush. Lunch please for the complete upholstery Centre and Foam Services in Barrack Street. I'd love to treat the lads at, in uh, Flextronics in Apple Holly Hill to lunch for my last day on the job. Uh, best wishes just to show them I'll miss them all very much uh, as Neve moves on. She's texted in, big hearted. Uh, I'd like to win Free Food Friday for Connor, Philip, Rob and all the lads in City Tiles in the Paladov Road Warehouse. Hauling tiles in this heat is no joke. Uh, GC Autos on the Fromoy Mitchellstown uh, area. Uh, and two more. My name is Rita Law, one of the hardworking teachers in Loretto Secondary School in Formoy. We'd love a nice treat. Finally, power aggregates in Carrick Tool, uh, working like Trojan horses in the heat. We'd love a lunch treat today. And I say finally, but that's just finally for now. 
Uh, we're going to have dozens more to call out. Get uh, texting. You can text or WhatsApp saying who you are, where you work, and why you want us to pick you in 0868104106 for Roosters, Piri Piri, in Douglas and Blackpool. Now, back to our phone lines in a moment, but this wedding dress issue and charging to go into wedding dress shops uh, has triggered a lot of texts uh, into us on the programme this morning. The charge for wedding dress shops has been going on for years, says a texter. I got married 12 years ago, and it was there. It's because people were coming in to try on dresses pretending they were getting married. Uh, pure crap, they're making enough out of that dress and all the rip-offs, says a texter. I had to pay €15 Euro for my daughter's slot to look at communion dresses. Communion dresses. That was four years ago before COVID. €30 Euro is a bit much uh, if they're not taking the fee off the dress, which I think they should anyway. Uh, I wonder if there's a culture going on in uh, in these shops, picking a dress, then going away and uh, buying the same dress online for cheaper. It's just a thought. A consultancy fee, my arse. It's an excuse. Old rip-off Ireland and full swing as usual. I was looking forward to getting charged in the future for breathing. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting charged in, in the future for breathing in certain areas, says Frank and Cove. Wonder, does the uh, 30 quid go to the shop assistant or to the owner? Uh, if it's an hour, then the lady who's on now sounds right. And we'll do one more and go to the phones. Hi, Mick, I was charged 30 euro to look at a wedding dress in West Cork. I wasn't allowed to look at the dresses as there was another bride in the other room where the dresses were. So essentially, they had double booked. The assistant proceeded to bring in dresses that I didn't like uh, and insisted I try them on. It was the worst experience ever. She narrowed it down to two dresses and was very pushy, trying to get me to buy on the day. I told her I didn't like either, that I wouldn't be buying, and I left. Uh, I went to Kenmare to the White Ivy, and what an experience. It was totally different. They were exceptional, and I bought my dream dress there. Just to add, I've got, uh, I got nothing in the shop. I was charged 30 euros in Kenmare, charged nothing, and I got Prosecco, tea, and chocolates. Let's go to line two, and somebody who knows all about the profession, that's Claire Dilworth, good friend of the programme in Cinderella's Closet. Hiya, Claire. Hi, Mick. How are you doing today? Good. Now, you're in the North Point Business Park. Uh, you are, you're obviously aware that some people are charging, and you have a charge yourself. We do. So we have a €20 Euro, um, consultation fee. So that is... And we've had it quite a while, and it's a private consultation. So you're paying for the service. Yeah. Um, but you are getting, you know, a private consultant, your own private um, consultation suite, and that twenty euro would cover your first consultation and any thereafter. So some people might choose on their first visit. Somebody else might choose on their fourth visit, um, and they're getting to try all these expensive dresses. And uh, as you could, you know, imagine that's going to cause wear and tear as well to the dresses. And sometimes somebody might come in with fake tan and we might need to get all the dresses clean so you know but they are getting a very good service no, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you heard the callers in the first hour but I went from uh, what this is a disgrace uh, this will make good radio there'll be people up in arms to in the second call saying well perhaps it's fair to in the third call thinking you know something this is yeah. fair and reasonable yeah I, I, and it is and they're getting a, a fantastic service um, like I would say most bridal shops are charging and yeah, that is 50 euros is a bit much, isn't it? 20, like you're charging, seems to be reasonable. Yeah, we're charging 20, and like, we, like we're doing an offer at the moment, 100 euro off the price of your dress, so you're well covered there with your 20 euro as well, you know. So we always kind of counteract it some way. Yeah, and, and the fee yeah. is not taken off the dress ultimately, but you'd often throw something in, is that right? Like a veil or exactly. something? 
Exactly, exactly. I know we have, uh, we don't charge for communion appointments. We take a booking deposit, but that does come off the price of the communion dress. Of course, okay. Uh, and of yeah. course, if, if you're interacting with the public and they're interacting with you, they can avail of special offers, I imagine, at times. Absolutely, absolutely. Are there, quite, we, you know, are there quiet days in, in, in a wedding dress shop week or are there quiet season in the wedding shop day year? There are, there are definitely quiet days and summer probably is the quietest time for a bridal, believe it or not, because everyone kind of has their dress and they start again then uh, later in the year for the following year or even the year after as well, you know. So, yeah, there are quiet times, but we you bring in staff then based on your bookings that are booked in. So if somebody has paid a €20 fee, they would be more inclined to cancel if something came up and they weren't able to make it. So you're able to manage the whole shop better as well, your time and your staff and everything. Okay, uh, could I be so bold as to ask, what's the lowest price wedding dress you sold in the last 12 months and what would be the highest? You don't have to give away any any individual details, but ballpark. So our dresses start, like our lowest would be 999 but we have an amazing off the rack, so they could go anything from five nine nine. You know, so um, at the upper end, the upper end would be two two three nine nine. Kind of would be the upper end that we would have. Okay, and how's competition? And is there many competitors to you guys? How many outlets around Cork? Do you know. So there are, Ireland in general has um, a lot of bridal shops per capita. When you you know the United States and things like that, they have to merely take a, a plane ride to get to a bridal shop. So there is a lot of us in the business, but we all specialise in different areas and different styles. Um, and some people like to go to a lot of bridal boutiques to, you know, to rule everything out as well. So they, they could go to up to eight bridal boutiques, but they're only buying one dress at the end of it, you know. Mm. Um, but they get the choice everywhere that, you know, so, like, anything that we have wouldn't be available to buy online or anything like that. And, you know, you have to try them on. And those days are, are gone, really, I think, of buying online. Um, so, yeah, there is there is a lot of bridal shops in Ireland. And most of us are, all, you know, we just all, we're all great friends. We meet at bridal fairs and everything. And uh, it's a good business to be in. Okay. And you're in the North Point Business Park. That must be particularly uh, cost-effective when it comes to maybe not having to rent uh, a huge, huge uh, bespoke property, for instance, on Patrick Street. And this all yeah. has to be paid for by the customer. So are you offering better value, do you think? Oh, definitely. Like, we are 3,000 square foot, so we're still a big shop. And we have three different bridal, uh, we still have we have three consultation rooms, you know, so it is a big shop. So, yeah, um, we, we're not in Patrick Street, but we are in an industrial estate, um, which is good, you know, but, and we've great free parking and everything. So mm. it's ideal for people to be able to travel um, to us and have parking and everything like okay. that. Okay, so please, please explain to this bemused and bewildered guy, what is the fascination? What is the devotion that, that ladies put into, you know, multiple shops, dozens of dresses? Is it, I need to find the perfect one. Yes, I've been dreaming about this since they were little girls. <laughs> so, and, and, yeah. and, and in my house, they're watching Say Yes to the Dress and, and a 90 Day Fiance, a fascination with weddings. Like, and yeah, I'm, I'm losing the will to live. <laughs> for, for, any, for any girl looking for their, their dress, they've been dreaming about this. And it is the most 
um, small special dress they're ever going to buy. Everybody talks about what the bride is wearing. But they only use it once unless they hand it down to a daughter, which is which is very nice. Yeah, I, it's just something that's always been special. I would never knock it. I just think, you know, that this is very important for, for any girl getting married. Their, their wedding dress, it doesn't matter what they spend. Um, they just need to love their dress and they need to feel amazing. So for, gir- for girls and boys, there's the christening gown. Uh, and then, yes. f- then for the girls, the communion dress. And of course, for the ladies, then uh, the wedding dress. Are, do you think many of them are kept over the years? Yes, we get we offer a service there where you can preserve your dress, and we would find people might you know it's it's in preservation tissue, they might put their their communion their child's communion dress in with the the christening robe. They are big milestones in people's lives, and they like to they like to remember it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and then the the, the Deb's dress is another one. You know, they're they're just special parts of of our lives. Oh, forgot that. Yeah, that's a, that's another big one. That's another big one. So all about the dresses, but you know they um they're 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 very important milestones in any in any girl's life. Claire, once again, and as always, thanks for contributing to the program. Not many wedding dress shops have uh, contacted us, but it's uh, it's great you took our call and you came on. And uh, you're like twenty euros is what you charge as a non-refundable deposit, but you're getting something for it. You are, and if you don't buy from us, then you walk away with the knowledge that we've given you. You know. Yeah. So yeah. Fair enough. You. All right, Claire. Thank thank you so much. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, cheers. Bye bye. Now, Ian worked in retail for 25 years. Good morning, Ian. Morning, Nick. How are you keeping? I'm good. What, what did you sell? Uh, we used to, well, I used to basically work in uh, the nursery industry. So we used to sell car seats, push chairs, prams, cots, mattresses, everything that had to do with, with moms and dads and kids and babies. And when I was listening to the show this morning about the, the booking fee between 30 euros, 20 euros, 50 euros, it's, it's, just, it's just amazing that these companies should be doing that to, to people who are basically shopping and trying to get footfall into their stores because when we worked in the nursery business uh, we'd fit car seats for free we'd recheck car seats for free we'd had customers who came in to basically uh, get their when they found out they were pregnant they get their uh, their bra fitting again it was done for free it was everything that we could possibly do to get the customers into the store and what we did in there was second to none but we always did it without a booking fee. So even during COVID, even when we were booking, they could book, but even if they didn't turn up for it, then so be that they'd, they'd re-come back again. But we wouldn't mm. charge anybody for any booking fee. So like we'd fit three car seats across the back. We'd be fitting prams. Like a lot of first-time parents and second-time parents would spend a lot of money on their, on their babies, on their, on their nursery products, even even more than, than wedding dresses or anything like that. But my point is when, when I was ringing this morning is as far as like, if we get to the point of basically booking to charge a fee. Like we say, for instance, I'm, I'm now heading into a garden centre and if I had to book to go in there to pay 30 euros just to go in there to get a consultation off the gardener in there who's a qualified expert on what he does. You think that's fair? Pay 30 euros? Is, is that the way we're going to go down? It's, it's just that these are so unique and, and they're a high-ticket item and uh, they need bespoke fitting. Yeah, but, they but, yeah, need that Nick, attention. Yeah, but Nick, everything is unique and everybody's an expert at what they do. You know, so I go down from the garden centre and I want to go over and get my hair cut and I have to book a, a slot to get in there and then I have to book 10 euros just to get my hair cut just to book my slot because she's an expert at what she does. And I'm not saying she's not an expert. She is an expert. But like at the end of the day, like the wedding dress uh, people are experts at what they do. But if you go in there and you decide to go in there and shop in, inside in the store and then you want to give a tip to the girl who's just after spending an hour with you. And I, I remember when I used to do car seats, uh, Nick, I'd spend up to about maybe two hours with a person with a car seat. And how many would tip seat. you? 
Disney, you mightn't get any a week or you might get one or two. It might be very little. You know, like you could do grandparents there. They used to come over and we used to refit all the grandparents' car seats for them. Or if they were moving from one car to the other car, we used to have two cars and we used to fit all the car seats across the back. And any parent would tell you when they're moving car seats or fitting car seats, it's an, an, it's an absolute nightmare. Oh, I, 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 I remember the car seat right. days. You, you need a slide rule and a ready reckoner to figure out where the, where the seat belt it, would go. And it goes in it, under it that exactly and this comes down and then you clip it in. Oh, my God. And exactly, you know, if you had to go down once a week and get your car seat rechecked and refitted and you had to pay 30 to 40 euros for every time you went down there, then you'd, you'd end up trying to do it yourself because you just can't physically afford to go down and do it all the time. Yeah. If you take what Claire, uh, Claire Dilbert has said there in, in Cinderella's closet, the yeah. fee is in place to prevent no-shows. The worst thing is a no-show. The worst thing is an empty table at a restaurant because of a no-show. Same in, in a bridal shop, I would that, imagine. Yeah, that, then then the women are trying on dresses worth thousands of euro, and then you have the staff paying their undivided attention, uh, and then, you know, some of the dresses may need to be dry-cleaned again. So yeah, uh, 20 euro seems reasonable to me. Obviously, you don't yeah, agree. Nick, the, the other lady who was on this morning had a very good point, is that give them your credit card and reserve your booking with your credit card. If you don't turn up, then take the money if they want to do that. Yeah. Do you know? But in retail, in retail, it's your doors are open to the public. Very simple. Your doors are open to the public for anybody to walk in and walk out. You can walk in the door. It's called footfall. It's very simple. They have footfall counters at the door. They've got KPIs. Every retail shop has this. And they basically monitor who's coming in, who's going out. KPIs being targets, key performance indicators. Exactly. That's basically what it is. Is How do you bring your customers in through the door? It's all through web. It's all through marketing. It's all done through everything. Now it is all got to do with your phone, your internet. Is to get the footfall in your store. And that's I'm a pure believer in that. I love retail. I love people. I love going to shops, talking to people. I've always kept my money local. But a point will come is that if I walked up to Cummins' door, which I'm actually now standing outside, and I had to book my spot on COVID, you did. Now I, the doors are open. I'm free to go in there. But if I go in the door and there's a man in there to help me pick out a pair of shoes and I have to pay him 30 euros to go up and down the stairs to get the shoes for me. Uh, that's a big difference between shoes and a wedding dress, though. You know, this is a once-in-a-lifetime purchase. But, 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 but Nick, you know yourself, a one, like a one-time purchase is like you go to buy yourself a car. Like, <laughs> it's a one-time purchase. Like the car companies, are they going to charge you 50 euros? I, 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 I mentioned that already. Are you still working in retail or are you still working in the, in the car prams and seats? No, what are you doing? no, no. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I've moved away from that, though. Yeah, what what are you doing the, these days? I'm working at the CUH hospital as a, as a porter, so hi to all the lads up there. <laughs> all right, okay. I know one or two of the boys there as well, so uh, hi uh, to all maybe. of the hard-working uh, miles, uh, putting up miles and miles oh, yeah. of shoe leather every day. Yeah, uh, I'm on holidays this week now, Nick, so they're all up there. I'm enjoying the fine weather, so they're, they're you, all working hard up there now. You sound like a guy that uh, any retail owner would be happy to employ. You, you, you seem to have the... You seem to have yeah, the, the gravitas and the grow for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been working in retail all my life so it's a I'm very passionate about it and I'm just I just I just think that by adding an extra charge onto something for people who work hard who put money in their pockets to spend them retail is all about an open door attitude to allow people to come into your store and browse your shop and at the end of the day it's good customer service that will get you the sale over, over the over the floor at the end of the day you know? all right Ian. thanks a million that, no problem thanks thank Take you cheers bye bye uh, great caller that was Ian who worked for 25 years in retail selling prams and car seats to first time moms and dads more texts on the topic uh, amazing how busy this gets uh, as businesses that charge for this 
Uh, they should be avoided. I bought wedding suits for my wedding and took two appointments to find a suit. Three fittings for various lads and multiple tailoring done for us all and not a penny extra. Uh, this is the wedding uh, shop's job as part of the transaction to buy a dress. Imagine being charged by a furniture store to sit on a couch, touch the fabrics and be talked to by the staff. This is part of any business where a sale takes place, says Alan and Mallow. Uh, I bought my wedding dress in London as I was living there when I got engaged and it's standard practice to charge a consultation fee. You get a very personalised service and these bridal consultants are specialists and they see you in the nude too. If they don't charge, they'll get every Tom, Dick and Harry in the shops just trying on dresses for the crack. People who aren't even engaged. Uh, another texture says the wedding dress shop thing is the same as the other businesses using the since COVID policy. COVID restrictions are over and legitimate businesses get well compensated for their losses. I've heard of placing a deposit to get a fitting appointment, but that was refunded once you showed up another uh, way that it could be done. That girl said the 30 euro is justified because the assistant is spending an hour fitting you with the dress. They are an employee of the shop. That's called doing your job. And uh, they're getting paid uh, for you in their wages. If you go into a restaurant and the chef cooks your meal, should you be charged extra for having a personal chef spend 20 to 30 minutes cooking your meal, says Desi. And uh, one final text before we go back to uh, our uh, phone lines is, uh, why is someone getting annoyed for a consultation fee when they're literally spending an hour of their time helping you? I went to Memories in Cork. I paid the money and it was well worth it. Uh, I also was told it would be put against the dress if I bought it, which seems to me to be a very sensible uh, way to progress this. And uh, that text came from Maura. One more phone call. It's Lisa on line two. Hi, Lisa. Hello. Hi. Hiya. Uh, yeah, just a quick point there. Um, the man that was sitting uh, in the car seats and selling prams and things. Now, basically, when he's sitting the seats, he's after making a sale. You know what I mean? Yes, they, they won't be fitted unless they're sold, yeah. Exactly. So he's made a sale on that. Nine times out of ten, if you're if you're fitting dresses, you might make a sale on that. So that's that's an hour wasted. You know what I mean? Yeah, There's but no may, sales, maybe no not income. nine times out of ten for Ian, but uh, certainly maybe fifty percent of the time he's uh, spending time with uh, prospective yeah, exactly. moms and dads, and he's not selling exactly. anything. They move on to a different shop. You know? Exactly. Exactly. And this could happen to a lot of places, like where you know you might have five or six appointments a week. And if there's, you know, there's no sales, there's, there's no income. Like, like businesses are closing left, right and centre. So I think 20 euros for concentration for an hour. Are you backing up well. or is that a fire alarm? No, that's it's outside. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, these shops might have multiple appointments. They might have many no-shows and they have dozens of dress exactly. fittings in a week. They might exactly. not sell a and thing. There's overhead. They might there's not sell a thing. There's electricity, you know, you know there's... there's a, Rates, everything. Yeah. We have to think of the background as well. Like, you All know, right, Lisa. Are closing. Th- thanks a million All for right. your call. Thank you very much. Thank it's you. 10.30 Bye. on this Friday morning. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 104 Red FM. It's uh, 10.33 on this Friday morning. Make we don't charge for appointments for weddings or measurements for other weddings if the weddings are abroad. We do it out of courtesy and kindness. Uh, that's from Dave in Suits Distributors in Ballycoreen, and that wraps up that uh, item for us. Moving back to a very hotly contested topic yesterday. Never, only once actually, have I seen the uh, level and volume of texts coming in. Uh, one time, as I mentioned, we did a, a big special on the menopause and uh, hormone replacement uh, therapy, HRT. uh, And it was the busiest program I've ever done for Neil. But yesterday was something else. 
pages upon pages of text coming in and we were talking about the changing of the speed limits but it opened up to so many other areas here's an email uh, that came into us uh, Mick here's an email I sent to the Minister for Transport Hi Mr Ryan I hope my email will be of some use in suggesting that I would like to see cyclists and electric scooters equipped with a tax disc their name and address can be put on them in the event of an accident because there are more and more of them on the roads causing terrible situations also, a tax disc system applied to their units would help on the day of accidents. They also can be charged a fee for each year, like a car tax, to benefit their use of our roads and on our roads. Plus, they can get compared to cars and motorbikes, etc. So I would suggest that they get a fine or some such for whatever accident that was caused by them. They should also be properly dressed and visible so that they can and must be seen. So many are dressed in black and with no high-vis vests on. At least in this way, they're making contributions to our road development and the Gardaí can have all the information to hand, like all other users with tax and driving licences, etc. Also, may I suggest that they should have a theory test for cycling and scooter use on the roads and that must be completed before getting their their tax. They are subject to, after all, uh, the laws and rules of the road. Thank you for your time. Uh, and that was sent on the 16th of, of June to Minister uh, for Transport, Eamon Ryan, uh, by Billy Arnold. Good morning, Meet Your callers this morning are spot on. Eamon Ryan is only interested in tax, using the environment as an excuse. Like I said to you in a text earlier in the week, he could cut emissions by 90% in a week if they took the tax off the HVO fuel. Uh, but they won't because they want to keep raking in money. The environment is only used as an excuse to tax more. Don't think for one minute they care about the environment, says Eric. Make look at John Kettle. It was 60 kilometres per hour uh, there for ages, but it was far too slow for the road. And there's other roads where the speed limit is far too high. The consistency is woeful. They need to figure it out. To be fair, I think consistency is the ambition uh, of what they're attempting to do here uh, with the uh, settling and the... Um, standardisation, I suppose, of the uh, speed limits. Uh, one more before we go to our phone lines. I, uh, Mick, I know of a cork man who installed stair lifts and other mobility aids for people with disabilities. The same man, in his spare time, purposely blocks speed camera vans by parking his van behind them on the road. The irony when uh, the people he's installing chair lifts for could have been injured in an accident uh, because of speeding drivers. This is idiotic behaviour. Um, it's, uh, it paints a picture, though. A man who installs stair lifts and other mobility aids for people with uh, disabilities or who are mobility impaired, and then in his spare time for fun, purposely blocking speed camera vans by parking his van behind them on the road. Uh, the irony here, the ultimate irony, is the people he's installing chairlifts for could have been injured in an accident because of speeding drivers. And the texture says that they consider this to be idiotic behaviour. Good morning, Mike, on line one. Hiya, Mike. Hey, how are you getting on? Do you Mike? agree or disagree with the proposed lower speed limits? Well, uh, the, the lower speed limits, I do disagree. I'd like to preface that, that I don't believe that mashing into people with cars and stuff is, is a positive thing either. Like, um, I think that the reason why that I disagree mainly is that there's not a, there's not a, ma- a major problem with, with people driving if they are capable of driving. Do you see ambulance drivers... They, they they work because they're capable of doing that. I, I'd be more of the preface that maybe we should go towards a route of get drivers with more skill to do an additional test of some kind where it's okay, that's on your license. And if you're not able to drive like that on the day, you have to maintain this regular speed limit. You're not allowed on motorways. You know, you um, 
all, all these kind of things. I think it's left up more to the individual because we're living in a society now that where people are, uh, we're not allowed to do things. I work in the public sector. We're, we're not the public sector. I work with the public, but um, we're not allowed to do things because of insurance companies because one incident happens and I think we're going to live in a society where everyone has to d- drive in self-automating cars and, and we're going to be in a VR I and mean, nobody can go to the water park or out to the fun fair anymore because it's too dangerous. And I, I think ultimately we're going to be tracked electronically. If you take a taxi mm. or an Uber uh, in, yes. du- in Dubai, in the Emirates, uh, and that taxi driver or Uber driver breaks the speed limit, a bell starts going off in the taxi. So the driver knows they're over the limit and the passengers know he's over the limit. They begin to look at him to say, how long more are you going to be over this limit? Now, he might be overtaking somebody. But all of that is monitored, uh, not just yeah. by Uber, but by the, uh, by, by the taxi companies. Uh, and I think they get uh, a, a marking on it. Uh, they can only do it three or four times a day before there's a, there's a point against them. Uh, and, and that in one way makes them adhere to the speed limits because this bell goes off, um, obviously electronically and on the app. Uh, it's known exactly where they are. It's known exactly what the speed limit is on that road. You can see it yourself in some of the uh, navigation apps uh, that, that they'll flash up red when you go over the limit. So we're not too far away from this being policed electronically, I'd say. No, yeah, that's true. But uh, it, again, it's the, the policing, I think, needs to be done more with, with people. Like When we changed two kilometres and uh, the limit was 100 miles an hour, I think we actually lost a few kilometres. So our national limit already came down. But nobody knew the conversion, so they're like, okay, 120, that sounds, fa- didn't, that sounds didn't, faster. Yeah, didn't it go from, from was it 55 or 60, and it went up to 80, and, and that would have been, I, I think we either gained or lost two and a half kilometres an hour or something. Yeah, I, I, I don't know the exact math on it. I'm, a, I'm more of a metric in the head yeah. generation. Um, but I, I, I do think that, like, there is definitely, uh, do you know, that I, th- I think I might know that man who installs the stairlifts as well. A buddy of mine worked oh, from the East to drive Don't mention any names, for God's sake. Uh, no, no, I don't even know him personally, but I heard stories that his driving was atrocious as well, so that's not even... <laughs> but it's, it's, speaking of good or bad driving, uh, I'm intrigued by a part of your text uh, which said ambulance drivers drive very aggressively, yet they don't crash. I imagine that's know. because they got the sirens and blue lights, though, and people are, people yeah, are moving yeah, yeah. aside for them. Yes, uh, I have a family member as well. He drives paramedic, but they have a certain amount of skill. Like I work in a a race course, say as well, where they do they do drift events and they'd have other hot rods and all kinds of stuff. But the people they attract, they drive out like lunatics. They'll be coming out the main route. They'll be there'll be fishtails up the roads. There'll be all sorts. My point is, if you have a system or a robot in place, there'll be someone who will want to go that speed, so they will disable that thing. The people who want to go fast are still going to go fast. You need to work with them, I'd say. And then, obviously, if the penalties get more and more, you're going to have people who are having a shit day and they're coming home from work and they've been stuck behind some turtle for about two hours and they get a, a bit of speed coming around them and the cop pulls them over and they lose their licence and they can't go to work and they lose their house. And we're already on a housing crisis. Okay, <laughs> apparently we gained two miles per hour on that limit. It was 60 miles per hour. It went to 100 kilometres per hour, which is 62 miles per hour. So we gained two or you could go to, it depends which way you're looking at it, if you want faster. I like faster the upper so. limits, like the motorway yeah, yeah. speeds and that kind of thing. But yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. No, another that. thing you said in your text was, people are clumsy, self-absorbed, impatient apes in tin cans. Oh yeah, I'd give that, I'd give that a 10 out of 10. Do we see much road rage in Ireland, do you think? I've, I've, uh, I've had a man get out of his car multiple times shouting at me in my window. I've had a man spit from his car over his child into my face, from his car, um, in Cork City, 
and I've had people, you know, just walking into your car, shouting, like, just general coming up to your window, do a problem, that kind of stuff. But it's, it's again, my point, it's the, it's the human factor. At the moment, you're not thinking, oh, there's a law against um, assault or harassment or something like that. You're shouting at someone and you're like... That's it. That's all you have, tunnel vision. So unless you get psychologists, um, do you know, get away with the penalty. Once you get 12 penalty points, you have to go see a psychologist and you have to deal with your anger issues, I'd say. That has to, or, or whatever's driving that emotion to get you to do act the way they are, you know? There, there's a thing in America called defensive driving. It's, it's not a, a driving technique or anything. It's a course. Uh, and, you, yeah. you know, you may or may not agree with this. If, if you're caught on a DUI, driving under intoxication, uh, you can actually get away with losing your license or going to jail uh, by doing a long and strong and boring enough defensive driving course. You're basically sent back to school like a child uh, each Saturday, maybe for a month, uh, and, and you have to go through every rule of the road and every you know, turning technique and all that. It's called defensive driving. Uh, and if that was applied here, maybe, maybe for people, obviously people will disagree with it if, if you have, uh, you know, if you have a drunken driving charge. Uh, but for here, it could be applied to uh, speeding or dangerous or reckless driving. We'll put you back to school. Oh, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think it's one of the, is it Switzerland or Norway or... Somewhere where it's very icy, they make people train um, on an icy surface where the car skids out and they have to control it. I don't believe anyone in Ireland has been told there to bring that out in the field there and see what happens when your, okay. your Volvo goes sideways. Mike, I have more calls lined up. Thanks a million for your contribution. <laughs> right, hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> Do you want to play a request? <laughs> okay. Go on. Go on. <laughs> Skinner. Ah, oh, no. <laughs> Leonard Skinner, Freebird, one of the greatest uh, guitar solos oh, of all time. Yeah, either that or Wonderwall. All right. uh, it's, it's, a, it's a pity that uh, they became the Rossington Collins band by necessity when the, uh, uh, when the, when the Van Zandt's uh, career was so rudely interrupted by a plane crash in 1973. But they were the great band. Uh, I think the modern, day, the modern day version of Skinner are the Kings of Leon. You know what? I ended that like you never know why that old person's in front of you going slow. The universe has a way, you know, getting okay. all philosophical on you in the end. Yeah, right. Maybe they think they're a free bird. Good luck. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. 14 minutes to 11. This is Mick Mulcahy on the Neil Prenderville Show. Uh, thanks for holding for quite a while there, Trevor. How are you? I'm very good, Mick, yourself? I'm good now. We, we touched on a topic yesterday, and I knew it would ignite some comment, and I think you're you're kind of have some heartfelt comments on this. When basically, just to refresh and recap, uh, somebody said yesterday that the driving um, instructor system and the driving test to which it's geared uh, far from prepares uh, any prospective young driver for the reality of driving on today's busy roads. Would you agree? I would agree. Uh, I, I don't put a lot of this down to speeding. I think it's just badly trained drivers. I mean, from my estimation of it, they're brought out to Summerstone Park there in Glashing Road. They're brought around the park and if they take any initiative to drive at any bit of speed at all, the instructor says, slow down now, slow down, and we'll do a three-point turn here and we'll reverse around the corner here. They do that for 10 lessons. They get their test. He brings them to the same place. They get their test and out the door. That has nothing to do with driving. That's like somebody getting an AK-47 in their hand and they're firing to the right and they're looking to the left while they're firing it. And that's, uh, that's an unfortunate analogy, a strong one. Uh, but I, I do take your point. Uh, I mean, the whole uh, reason that we have to have these, uh, these 12 lessons is to take the knowledge of the driving instructor, not just in driving and in skills, but uh, getting some advice is this is how the test is likely to go. This is how you'll best prepare yourself to pass that test. 
uh, with scant regard for the reality of driving, as one uh, person mentioned yesterday, you can't even go on a motorway until you, until you have your full licence. Another point that was made, Trevor, which was quite good, actually, is, is that when you get your licence, uh, isn't there some sort of a hiatus period uh, be, before you actually get it? And that you should do maybe one or two more lessons at, at 100 kilometres an hour and above uh, on a motorway and then get that stamped on your licence, too. Now you're better prepared. Well, I think they should do a driving course. You know, you should be brought into a big arena uh, where there's bollards and you have about four inches to spare on both sides of your car. And if you can't drive through those bollards and they'll be slightly curvaceous at uh, 20 kilometres an hour, you shouldn't get a licence. Because you know you've, you've come against people on narrow roads. You have and I have. And they stop. And you can see they have about a foot on their passenger side and they have a foot between you. And they're petrified looking at you coming against them. And they just freeze. If they were taught how to drive properly, they'd be able to come against you while you were travelling against them. Yeah, do you know the, the other thing that, uh, that the driving test doesn't prepare you for is driving at night? Exactly. And driving in snow and the way the snow builds up under your tyres and eventually forms as a brake under your wheels and you can go into a skid. It, you should be brought again into an arena where there's uh, an oil stick maybe three feet square and you should be taught when you hit that oil how to control your car. Because if people are speeding and they know how to control their car, they can get it under control before they crash. Like, it should be a driving course, not this thing of taking your own Somerset Park and doing a three-point turn so as you'll pass your test. So a driving course rather than a series of driving instructors. and uh, Exactly. A yeah. proper dri- like, I believe in America they do a driving course. I mean, you're trained here how to dip your oil and where your water goes. You have a mechanic for doing that. That's nothing to do with driving a car. Train them how to Well, perhaps it is if the car breaks down. You call you call the or you call the mechanic. What good is if the car breaks down? You're not going to be able to fix it. And do you think do you think that driving skills and road sensibilities should be a part of the school curriculum in in secondary? It should, yeah, it should. Uh, driving in light darkness in a hot summer when the tar is melting on the road and when the rains on top of that melting tar, how difficult it can be. You ask a learner driver today about that. He hasn't a clue what you're talking about. And they should preempt situations. If you're coming to a T-junction, a narrow road, there's a traffic building up behind you and there's traffic coming against you and you want to turn right. They never think of stopping. They're trying to hog every inch of the road. They never think that if they don't leave you turn right, you're blocking the traffic behind you. They're blocking the traffic behind you and everything comes to halt. Whereas if they thought and preempted the situation, if they held back, waved you on to make your turn, everybody keeps moving. Yeah, I, I try to be as courteous in that regard as, as I can. Come on, you know when you come along the Rochestown Road there, heading towards the, uh, the South Ring, there's always yeah. somebody wants to turn up Clark's Hill. Uh, and yeah. as best I can, I always let them go because they're, they're backing traffic up to the roundabout. They're, if they're, yeah, if they're, sta- if they're in that single, single lane stopped and indicating right, let them go and let the traffic flow again. Because that'll affect you as well because when you come up eventually, they have cars backed up behind them and you can't move anywhere. People never seem to think about that. And you should also know the power of your car. Do you remember a few years ago, oh, I'd say 10, 12 years ago, um, out beyond this yard where the water starts coming to McCroom, there was a woman coming to McCroom. She was going up that hill driving the Fiesta or something, and she tried to take three or four cars. She was killed. She didn't know the power of her car. The Fiesta, going up that hill, no way. <laughs> if she knew anything about driving, she wouldn't have been out there. Yeah. So where, 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 do, we, where do we go from here? A, a, change in, it, a change in instruction? A change in the attitude? Of, and, and the, you know, the, the, the whole... The, the, whole test, would, the whole test, really, the syllabus for the test... 
the theory it should be changed looking in, a looking hard in, driving course yeah where, and where if, you, if you if you watch people coming out say from a junction on your left do you ever notice what's the first way they look if you kind of juncture from your left, tell me. Yeah, they always look left. But the first car is going to hit them is coming from their right. Watch it now from <laughs> now on. Everybody looks left, and the first car is going to hit them as they know is out is coming from the right. All right. Trevor, thanks a million. Some very good points there. Thank you very much. Okay. Nice to talk to you again. Okay, same here. Make talk see, to you again. See Cheers. you soon. Selena, good morning. How are you? Uh, hi, this is Selena. Hi, Selena. You're Irish, but you lived in America for 25 years. Um, you, yes. you, you, you think I was wrong about the defensive driving? Yeah, no, sorry. I just wanted to correct the record there. Um, for a DWI, uh, you're not eligible at all for defensive driving. Um, it's taken very, very seriously over there. Um, I suppose the defensive driving, you only qualify for if you receive a traffic violation, such as sure. speeding. I, I, I'm um, talking about a time I was in Houston, Texas. It was 1990, 91 maybe, okay? Uh, and okay. I, I have a clear recollection of somebody who was just over the limit was allowed to do defensive driving uh, to, to get that expunged from the record. This was a professional driver who had one pint and, uh, and was driving home back in the day when, we, you know, you can have one pint and it wasn't frowned upon or, or illegal to do so. Uh, as far as I can uh, recall, and I wouldn't agree with uh, with defensive driving being able to eliminate... Um, a, a conviction or, a, you know, a charge of, of of driving under intoxication. But as far as I remember, that was correct. But you, you say it prob- probably not the case. Yeah, I don't think so. So as far as I can remember, the legal limit for alcohol is 0.08%. And now it is true that there was kind of a, a period, especially I suppose if you refer to the 90s, that they weren't necessarily as strict. They would probably let people go. They would probably make a more personal judgment on the driver. But um, certainly now, uh, it's, it's a very big court process yes. that a person has to go through. And even expansion of the actual charge, the charge has to be dismissed. Okay, well, first. whether the DUI yeah. was expunged for defensive driving or not back in 1990 is irrelevant. But uh, as a as a function of society, defensive driving, mm-hmm. could, could, could you explain its merits if you think it has merits? Yeah, look, as a person who's completed it a number of times, it is very, very tedious. Um, There's no skipping through the modules or anything like that. It is six hours. Um, But oftentimes, you know, when you're you're caught for speeding, um, you you don't really want it going on your record. Uh, It doesn't affect your insurance as much as over there as it does here, Um, but it does go against you on your record. And um, if a police officer pulls you over they can see, okay, well, they have had this many traffic violations. Yeah. I'm going to go after them for more. So um, it, is, it is a deterrent for people. And in order to qualify for defensive driving, you do have to have a, a reasonably clean record. So you can't keep reoffending and reoffending and just going for defensive driving. Yeah. The whole point of it is for a decreased fine and also a cleaner record. Yeah, if, if, if you had the option of three, three points and an 80 euro fine and you opted for six hours of very strict defensive driving where you're under instruction, mm-hmm. it might cost you 250 euros rather than 80 euros. Uh, but if, if, you, if you take part in the proper spirit and, and pass the test or whatever after the six hours, uh, that you might avoid those three points going on your license mm-hmm. and possibly return to the road a safer and more considerate driver. Would that be a fair estimation of, of the programme? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think when you mentioned defensive driving to anyone, it kind of rolls their eyes and 
you know, because it is so <laughs> tedious. But it does, at the end of the day, it does A lot of people in Ireland don't know what it behavior. is, you know. Yeah, it does improve driving behavior um, at the end of the day, and, and that's the whole point of tickets and, you know, to reduce speed and et cetera. So, uh, yeah, I think it would it would definitely have a positive effect in Ireland. Brilliant, Selena. Love the accent. What part of the States were you in? Uh, Dallas. Dallas. Good old, yes. The old Lone Star State again. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Thanks, Emil. Thanks, bye-bye. Cheers, bye-bye. Let's uh, give away some free food. Well, not now, but in a, about an hour's time. Uh, we're still rolling through the text and WhatsApps. 0868-104-106. Feeding 15 people with the uh, chicken wings, skewers, beef skewers, beef burgers, chicken pita, piri salted fries, rice and waffle fries, piri mayo, garlic mayo, and their famous cheesecakes from Rooster's Piri Piri in Douglas in uh, Blackpool. Douglas and Blackpool. Countrywide drains limited here in Dripsy. Uh, cleaning drains and septic tanks. Absolutely starving for free food Friday. Please give a shout out for all the lads in GRP roofing supplies in uh, 19 Tremore Commercial Park. Free food Friday would be appreciated for all the staff out in the headway in uh, Ballancolic. Rebecca and I work in Blackwater Motors Forge Hill and I feel our technicians deserve free food Friday ensuring all customers in Cork can drive safely and happy. Uh, lunch says Catherine Ahern for the amazing staff in Tigers Childcare in Pembroke. Uh, great way to end the first full week of everybody back to school. Uh, could you do a free food Friday mention please and feed us 14 hungry bucks uh, working up a hunger and counting down the clock till dinner time at ECI JCB in Carrick Tool. Hi Mick, how are you kid? Can you uh, please, oh kid, can you please give a shout out for Bronx and his crew with Hepburn Professionals down here in the Anchorage in Cove. We're starving. All 13, uh, all 13 of us. Have a good day, kid. Uh, our O'Sullivan's Pharmacy Grange Road in Douglas, expert attic conversions working in Glanmire, and Ego Hair Salon in Cove working very hard. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. And back to our phone lines immediately and to taxi driver extraordinaire, John Roach. Morning, John. Good morning, Mick. How are we? I'm very good. You're a legend in the game, man. You are. Ah, uh, stop it, no, Mick. Stop it. You're, stop it. You're currently out driving. I hope you're pulled in or you're driving safely or hands-free or something. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this ship here that's here in Cove hoping to get some work off, Michael. That's exactly what I'm doing. You're queued up in Cove waiting for work. I'm the, and I'm the only one here at the moment, so I, I think I'm a bit late. <laughs> All right, I okay. Didn't it, I didn't think it was going to arrive because of the fog, so I came over late. Speed limit reductions that are proposed. Good for the overall figures coming down as regards road fatalities. Bad for taxi drivers, you think? I don't know, Mick. I don't know. I watch the story. I mean, you were talking there about programs and different things that they can do in schools and this, that, and the other. I mean, you go back even to when we were teenagers. All we watched was the Dukes of Hazzard driving like lunatics, fast and furious, uh, video games that had cars going as fast as they could. I mean, so the, the kids were reared with it, put the pedal to the metal, and I just think it's going to be hard to get that out of their heads. I don't think it's anything to do with bad driving or anything. I think it's just society and, and speed. It, it's all war, speed, and male testosterone in those games, isn't it? Grand Theft, exactly. Grand Theft Auto's another one. Yeah, of course. I mean, there have been seven or eight of them, if not 25 of them, isn't there? Oh, there's hundreds of them, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, so the kids have no hope. That's all they've watched. That's all they've... That's all they've seen. And so they go out there and they think, I can drive like uh, Ben Diesel and I, I can do uh, 100 miles an hour up the street with a big exhaust pipe and I'm cool. You know, the girls love me because of that. Yeah, I, I wonder what percentage of uh, the recent fatalities were in the very young or very old cohort. 
I have no, I have no figure going to make, but I just, I just know from my experience driving on the roads that um, what I see, what I see, one minute, I'm, I'm, I'll be back to you in one minute, I'm just talking to a guy in the phone, yeah? Okay. Thank you. Uh-huh. Make a, I say I'm gonna have to go because I've got some American people that want to give me some money and they are gonna be asked to pay no to you. No problem. Very quickly, you were in Germany a few weeks ago and you were on the autobahn. Oh, correct, Mick. I was on a, a little bit of a holiday and I came across a, a sign that said reduce your speed to 120 kilometers an hour because there's roadworks ahead. Uh, 120. Please slow down to 120. There are roadworks ahead. Can you? I can just imagine the yarns now. You're going to be telling those Americans. You'll be making up history well, about the Irish, uh, but the Irish Republic as you go along. I'm going to be telling them about a fellow from Monkstown that be on the radio now. That's what I'm going to tell them. <laughs> John, thank you. Good morning. Thank you. Good, Good morning. morning, and the best of luck with that fare. I hope it's a it's it's a long running one for you. Uh, loads more texts on, and there's two very good ones here actually on the wedding dresses situation. Just in relation to deposits for bridal appointments, personally, I would have paid if it meant I'd have a better experience. When I was dress shopping for my wedding three years ago, I went to a very popular bridal shop here in Cork. I was overwhelmed by the whole process, so I needed the advice from the professionals. I was shown to a changing room, handed in a few dresses to try on, and no one ever returned back to me. I couldn't tie up the dresses. I was in tears, and so I left, and I don't think anyone even noticed. Then I went to the Modern, which is now on Lavitz Quay, and it was the best experience, and I couldn't thank the girls there enough. I loved my dress. Deposits weren't needed, but I do think uh, if I paid a deposit in the first place, it might have been different. I think it's a good idea. Can't come on air. When you say deposit now, that's a consultation, uh, pre-booking charge or whatever that we were talking about this morning. I can't come on air as I have a bad cough, so I'm at home sick, but enjoying the show from bed. I just wanted to highlight an issue I came across while organising my wedding recently and looking for opinions. So wherever you were, it wasn't good. And then you went to the modern on Lavitz Key and it was the best experience ever. And as she says, I couldn't thank the girls there enough. Now, here's a very interesting second text. I own a bridal shop. I begrudgingly started charging in September after we, we reopened in 2021 because I offer exclusive use of the entire shop during appointments for safety reasons with COVID. COVID pandemic is over, but it's still present. On Saturday, three appointments were a no-show. So I had no way to offer those appointments that late to other people on the day. I had no income at all that day. And that was a catalyst for me to start to charge for appointments. Secondly, brides will also come in to try on dresses, then get style numbers and go online and buy off Chinese suppliers who copy designs of dresses. They also use you for a girly day out, trying on dresses with no intention of buying. For me as a business owner, this has weaned out the people who are simply looking for a day out. I'm giving a minimum of 90 minutes per appointment and offering them my exclusive attention and advice throughout. You don't go into a high street shop and get one-to-one attention for 90 whole minutes. The charge has also encouraged only real shoppers uh, who have seen your website and know that some of the dresses you carry entice them and therefore they want to try them on. Cinderella's Closet is a great service, says another texter. I had the pleasure of attending her three years ago with my daughter, the bride. Uh, she was very relaxed and we weren't rushed and we found other outlets were very, very pushy. I want to give a massive uh, shout out to Brides of Era in Clonakilty. My future mammy-in-law and I went down last week and Anne was absolutely brilliant. I found my dress. It was actually the first one I tried on. 
Uh, I wasn't charged any consultation fee. They made me feel so comfortable. And the price of the dress was amazing. They really listened to what I wanted and they cracked it in one go at uh, Brides of Era in Clonakilty. Another one for Claire in Cinderella's closet. Apparently she's amazing. Lo- uh, lovely hearing her on the radio. My daughter is autistic and while communion dress shopping, Claire went above and beyond to ensure she felt comfortable and amazing while she tried stuff on. Uh, she loved every second and Claire's kindness will never be forgotten. One more on Cinderella's Closet. According to Cinderella's Closet, it's a consultation fee. So if I go into, say, TK Maxx or a restaurant and ask about their products and menu, should I be charged for asking the questions? That's why you get wages to assist the customer. Shops with high-end rings and watches are high-value items. So we should charge people going into jewellery shops, uh, should we? Uh, Now then, we want to go to line one for a very special reason. And we have Paul Byrne, uh, Virgin Media News Southern Correspondent to tell us, um, normally it's sad news, tragic news or bad news. Morning, Paul. Good morning, uh, Vic. This is a kind of a celebration. This is kind of good news for once. You're bringing a man on the air very, very shortly who celebrates a birthday, uh, 85 years young today, Mr. Patrick O'Brien, better known as the man who is the brains and the organisational man behind the over 60s talent contest. Paddy is 85 years young as I said today. He has done so much work for the elderly in this city. Uh, A lot of his work goes undocumented. Paddy works a lot behind the scenes and does amazing work and I think it's only fitting today that Red FM celebrates and marks this very very special milestone. Uh, When we mentioned Paddy O'Brien, we think of a man who goes beyond and above the, the call of duty. He gets in there, he gets stuck in when people of, we'll say, 21 plus VAT, people uh, pushing on in years, need a little bit of help. Paddy really goes in, digs deep and gets the results and gets whatever these people need. He's a remarkable operator and I just want to wish him the very, very best of luck today. Paddy started as a messenger boy in the round Cork City all those years ago when television was in black and white. Sorry, when there wasn't even a television, I suppose, or radio. But he had a short pants. He used to go around the city cycling and um, he's done remarkable work. And I think, it's, as I said, it's only fitting that Red FM is marking his 85th birthday today. Oh, fair play. Thanks, Paul. That was a lovely introduction to the man that is Paddy O'Brien. Good morning, Paddy. And by the way, Mick, Mick sorry if I could just say after that little um, piece, tell him he still owes me 20 euro. Okay, Paddy, you owe Paul Bourne 20 euro. <laughs> Nick, thanks a thousand, thanks a million to uh, Paul for that nice tribute paid myself. I know am I worthy of that? Okay, I will say that um, I will celebrate. Thank God, my um, 85th birthday next Sunday. Sunday, and I think the Lord bless me next Sunday. Yeah, bless me with uh, good good health, and it was a pleasure and an honour for me to work with elderly people. And at a very, very young age, a very, very young age, I discovered that elderly people had no voice. They had many people representing them. And um, they could enjoy a better quality of life. And I, I got involved with them, whether they were at home with their own houses. I'd visit them in nursing homes at a very young age, at 18 years of age. I was taking concerts around to nursing homes, down to Southfield's Court, up to um, Old Ladies Hospital. And that's actually how I started working. And then later on, I could see the great need there was 
to go public on all the various issues. And um, I, I want to say thanks sincerely to RenFM for what they've done since uh, over the last years and years with me walking behind the scene. I, I, I want to thank Paul Burns as well. He has done throughout of work for me behind the scenes, helping me, helping me. And it's my neighbour come up and come up then that I, I, I had eventually that carried out just the, the work that was required for uh, elderly people. And uh, no matter where I am, Nick, I would say one thing. To people that listen, listen to this programme this morning, and there are thousands, is that the greatest single problem affecting the lives of elderly people at this point in time is loneliness. Years ago, it was financial problems. It's a loneliness. Loneliness is like one of the conventional diseases that kills people. But unfortunately, there's no medication. You cannot get medication for loneliness. Mm. It's, it's ironic, Paddy, in, in, in this era of, of instant communication, uh, that, that loneliness is, is the biggest thing. It doesn't cost anything anymore to make a phone call, and that's uh, something we should remember. Pat, Paddy, back, 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 back to you. Uh, am I correct? You did an awful lot of work for the Irish Heart Foundation. You founded the over-60s, yeah, uh, the talent contest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I set it up as a messenger boy in 1953 as a messenger boy. And I, I finished with school at 14 and a half years of age. And I left that job after 35 and a half years as managing director for Ireland. And then I joined the Irish Heart Foundation as region manager for Munster. And they were very, very good to me. And then again, they were such nice people there. But running with the over 60s was great. And again, without repeating myself, the reason I stopped at the over 60 was for one reason, was to combat loneliness. Get people out of their homes, get people out to sing, uh, get people to look forward to the night. And I was running that for 40, 43 years. And at each of the events, you had people meeting up, meeting up, that people wouldn't have met for, for years and years. And um, like, there were lots of people working in the background, like groups mm-hmm. and artists and all that. And I would say sincere thanks to them as well. Paddy, can, I, I, can I put you on the spot like here? That. Can I put you on the spot? Can you can you give me some standout moments? And maybe more importantly, can you give me some standout people that you've encountered over the years? Well, I suppose there was one great man down in Black Rock, uh, Fra- Fra- Francie O'Keefe. He won the over 60s twice. He was the only man ever to win the competition twice. He won it very early at the, at the beginning of time when they stopped the over-60s. And when they were celebrating the 25th anniversary of the 60s, he ran it again. He went and he won. I had a lovely, um, a, a lovely lady out in Mallow. She was 99 years of age. And she, she told the people at the City Hall her lifestyle. And she was like walking at, at a farmhouse. And she was getting four shillings per week. I Down through the years, I had lots and lots of stories, but I would have sad stories as well, quite honestly. I have sad stories, and these are even happening in present time, that I would meet an elderly lady or an elderly gentleman um, who would have a family and, and not having any visits from them, and I think that's regrettable. And I've been saying for many years as well, Nick, that many elderly people die of a broken heart, and regrettably, it's as many of the family members create that that would be the cause of that. The loneliness that's out there, and I mean, I'm, I come across it every week, and people are looking for someone to speak to. Mm. But I would always all say to people, don't be afraid to knock on the door. Knock on the door with an elderly person. 
a person, especially a person who is housebound, and and ask, can you help them? Because down through the years in Cork, we've had several tragedies in the last three years where people found dead after weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and that's all to be avoided, and we can. We can um, avoid having repetition of the, that, those open tragedies with people being more, being more vigilant and take more care of the elderly people. Well, Paddy, can, can I just mention one particular thing that we were very enamoured here and very thankful to you for? Um, and, and this year alone, you assisted us in this programme and Neil and, and, and the production crew in moving John, remember, from a slaughterhouse outside the city yeah, yeah. To, to a home of his own in Madden's buildings. That was an incredible achievement, so well done. Thank you sincerely, and I spoke to John last night. I called him on a regular basis. I called him last night, and I even saw I see a difference in, in his face. He's a happier man. He's more relaxed now that he now has a home of, of his own. And when I telephone him, he's, he's happier, he's happier. And quite honestly, I, I was genuinely concerned about him because I thought coming from an appalling conditions, that he would be accept, we'll say, the grandeur of the new home, and it would be hard for him to settle down. But no, he settled down, thank God. And thanks again to all the people in Cork, all, all the, um, the officers and shops and people who visited furniture and cartels, I can't mention, I can't mention by, by name. And, um, but I would have to mention one man in particular, his name is um, uh, Andrew Murphy from Granada. They walk here at weekends, putting up shelves. He was in a position to get uh, a fridge, a cooker, a, um, a washing machine. Just great. And you know something? The help I got from people is absolutely tremendous. And this man now is, is enjoying something that he's been doing for the last 62 years. He has a home of his own. He has a television downstairs, and he's got a television upstairs as well. And he, he's, he appreciates so much. He's a decent, decent man. Paddy, if, if I was to say to you, who in Cork, uh, alive obviously, lonely possibly, uh, successful possibly, who, who, who would you spend dinner with now and have an engaging conversation? Uh, Could you pick somebody? A, a person, I mean, yeah, uh, you're referring to a lonely person, you well, mean? No, you, you, don't you, mean can, you can pick somebody lonely, you can pick somebody successful, you can pick, so, you can pick a hero, you can pick whoever you want, who would you bring? You know something, a, a person I always have great admiration for was Bishop John Buckley. Okay. He, he, Bishop John Buckley, the work he did for the elderly people was incredible. Going to nursing homes, visiting people in their homes, going to funerals, going to removals. But I had the great pleasure of, uh, on the 29th of April, 1984, to be the first person in Cork to introduce him to, to the Cork people as a co bishop. He was consecrated bishop above in the North Cathedral, and that was over the five and three hours later, I introduced him to the stage, and I said on that night, everyone here this evening over 60, they're all over 60, the people performing, but the next person I'm going to introduce, he has 16 more years to wait, and we had a great friendship. And since then, and he's visited, attend the local heats, attend the finest of the opera host at City Hall. He was absolutely great. If I rang him and said that um, there was an old, uh, one of the over 60 that passed away, he was there, and they caught the cock people, the cock people loved him. And he's the person, he, that, he would be my choice. Okay. Just sit down, chat, chat, chat. chat.
Well, let's see if he's available. Yeah. Uh, okay, but if he's not, will you bring a lonely person to dinner? Because we're going to send you a meal voucher. Uh, it's not much. But uh, just a little token from the Neil Prendeville show for your birthday. And you can pick uh, e- either that person or you can pick a lonely person. How would that sound? Fantastic. Thanks. That's, I'll do that. That's great. I appreciate it very, very, very much indeed. One more, very one more, one more thing, Paddy. And we're, we're trying to make the birthday as special as possible. Uh, I think there's a memory coming in from Pat on line five. Hiya, Pat. Hello. How are you? Hi. And happy birthday to Paddy. You know? Do you have a um, past association? Yeah. Paddy will know the name Margaret Atkins. He knew Margaret back in the late 70s. And when Margaret was getting married, uh, he actually used his own car as Margaret's wedding car and brought her to the church and so forth and so forth. And... Over the years, Margaret always spoke very fondly of Paddy and all the help he had given him in other ways as well because she had a disability. He should be disabled. And um, I don't know if he remembers her or not. Paddy? And do I remember the event quite well and it was a pleasure and honour for me to be associated with the wedding because Margaret was a lovely person, a, lo- a lovely uh, person and appreciate what he done for her so much. And Tazai was the person who felt honoured on that day. And I, I, I hope she's keeping well. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, Pardon? I'm sorry to tell you, Paddy, but since September the 2nd, 12 months ago, she's not with us. Oh, I'm so oh, sorry. I'm oh, so oh, sorry about that. But her... Her health went downhill. She ended up bedbound, etc., etc. But there was always people around, and what you're saying is so true. Company, a chat, a cup of tea. It means nearly as much to some people as actually winning the lottery. You know? Well said, yes. Pat. Well said. Well said, and thank you very much. You know? Um, like... She she never she never left life just then. Um, Penny remembers if he remembers his, so forth. She always sang, and she always sang up to the time that she got a little bit vexed because her disability was was affecting her voice. But um, you know we've always fondly remembered what Paddy did on that day and he was always a great friend to Margaret. All right, Pat. Thank, th- thank you very much, uh, Paddy. There's, there's a text after coming in for you as well. Happy birthday, Paddy. A wonderful man, Burr. And uh, she says, as a little addition, there should be a statue put up to Paddy. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to pick a song for you, Paddy, to, to, to wish you a happy 85th birthday. We'll send you the meal voucher. Uh, bring the bishop or a lonely person. That's part of the deal. Uh, and we hope there's many uh, happy returns. For you. Are, are you still active, Paddy, in, in, in your efforts? Oh, oh, yeah, very active. There's lots of things coming up now between now and Christmas. And because I'm not organising the other sixes, we'll visit nursing homes. And on the 28th of the month, we'll go up to Cower House and put on a show, on a, a show there. And uh, it's all past winners of the over, or some past winners of the overseas talent competition. Yes, I'm busy. I'm busy. I always said to people, the reason keeping busy is for one reason I want to enjoy health. Because I heard the psychologist saying one evening on television that he said, the more you wake 
and you've nothing to do, that's going to be a bad day. Yes. Keep busy, busy, busy. And, what did, what did you say you, start, you started out as? What, what, what did you say was your first gig? I, I, was, I was a messenger boy. Okay, well, I'm going to play this song specially for you, Paddy. Uh, here, here's a great oh, old oh, song from the late, great Christy Hennessy, specially for Paddy O'Brien um, on his 85th birthday. I, messenger boy. Me. Thanks, Paddy. Thank you, and thank you, and to Paul Bond. Thank you. Thank you. We don't play very much music on this program, but it's great to uh, squeeze in Christy Hennessy when there's a reason to do it. Paddy O'Brien started as a messenger boy. Uh, and there's the late great Christy Hennessy. I had the pleasure of introducing him on stage at the Everyman with his daughter Hermione Ross, who you can hear singing in the background there. Messenger Boy, very specially for Paddy O'Brien on his 85th birthday next Sunday. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086 8104 Red FM. What a busy, busy morning as Fridays always are. We're going to be playing out musically as well, but uh, let's get to our Roosters Piri Piri final batch uh, of mentions. Uh, winners getting the chicken wings, chicken skewers, beef skewers, chicken wraps, chicken and Peter's beef burgers Perry salted fries rice and waffle fries and so much more including your choice of uh, make your own cheesecake with uh, Kinder Bueno sauce or Kinder Pieces and Hotel and lots lots more RoostersPiriPiri.com is where you get all the details or if you want to call in person they're in Douglas and in Blackpool the endoscopy unit in the Bond Secures Hospital Ross Oils in Fernandes Cope Transport in Montanati Powerboat Cork listening in Monkstown please fe- uh, feed our hungry participants and instruct uh, uh, Luke and Glanmire doing extensions with my dad in this heat we're sweating already uh, and we're, we're texting at 10 past 10 in the morning there's only two of us but we're so busy we had to skip breakfast and we'll pass it out as well if we win Free Food Friday all the lads in KN Circuit uh, Network Civils team Ken Maury Heating and Plumbing Honey Brown's Hair in Balancholic Topman Barbers in Balancholic uh, Switchboard Department in the CUH all the lads in Sheehan's Butchers in Mallow. Janice at Bespoke Wedding Ceremonies, busy with all the weekend weddings. The gang at Avoncourt in Ballycoreen Industrial Estate. And the hardworking staff of Drina National School. AP Vaughan Recycling in Tower. Premier Auto Parts on the Pallet of Road. Uh, St. Francis Unit at St. Mary's Health Campus, Grona Broher. Uh, Atkins Machinery, Carrigahan Road, AOC Commercials and Carrick Tool. Holly here from the Pharmacy Department in the Mercy Hospital. We'd love it as well. We're starving. Uh, Sorsha Cantwell from the uh, Pharmacy Department in the Mercy Hospital as well. Uh, Northside Tars, Old Mallow Road, the Orchid Centre in CUH. All the hospitals are uh, texting in this morning. Engtech, uh, Engineering Supplies in Mallow, Area Carpet and Floors. We're up to 19. We could do with lunch. Love to nominate my daughter's school for the Free Food Friday. The SNAs, especially Mr. Allen, the fifth class teacher who's been absolutely amazing. Uh, and all in the, hol- in the school in Holywell in Carrigaline and Erlift uh, Safety Services would love to receive the uh, delicious roosters. We're in Unit 10, Boland Industrial Estate on the Old Mallow Road. Michael O'Driscoll Motors in Ascara. Still waiting to be picked out. We're texting in forever. Free Food Friday for all the hard-working staff at Union Hall Smoked Fish. Uh, the School of the Divine Child in Ballon Temple. Hi to all the gang there. Cork Dental Hospital in Wilton. Thanks, says Jen. And Free Food Friday for all the lads in Glenmill Engineering and White's Cross. They're flat out in the heat and they are definitely deserving. On line two, and I've been waiting all week to get back to him, is uh, Owen Corrie, travel expert. Uh, hi, and good morning again, Owen. How's it going? All, all good uh, here in the K-Club and uh, the sun is shining. What a beautiful, beautiful country. What a beautiful image of Ireland to be sent out on the television cameras around the world. Are you golfing? 
Uh, I'm actually just uh, stepped out um, to take the phone call in case I got a nine iron over the head from one of the professionals who's coming <laughs> through at the seventh green here where I was. Had a, I'm stationed uh, Liffey on one side and a couple of pools on the other. As I say, an occasional fish jumping. It's absolutely gorgeous here. Brilliant. Okay, well, a couple of things to, to talk about. Uh, I suppose everyone's talking about Michael O'Leary getting uh, cake-faced uh, do you think that was genuine or was it a setup? He's getting all the publicity more than he would have for his protest. It's very, very interesting because he is the stunt man. He's the one who who does the stunt. That was a stunt yesterday. He goes and does a one-man picket outside. Uh, he'd lost about 25 flights out of Brussels yesterday. The one, we've had lots of coverage of them, this programme and others, talking a lot about Ryanair strikes. The one uh, union that has made an impact on them uh, is the Belgian pilots. Um, we, you know, the big span of lots of headlines about Spain. No more than six or seven flights stopped. But the Belgians have hit him on the soft spot of five or six times in a row. Big stunt goes uh, with his placard and then lo and behold somebody else pulls the stunt of him pulling off the stunt I don't think it was pre-planned as you say it got huge publicity for the uh, our climate activists to put the pie in the face uh, it got huge publicity for Michael O'Leary so it's win-win in every situation Ryanair Twitter of course immediately came on to complain about the flavour of the cake in the age of outrage when people say well this is the most disgraceful thing that ever happened to anyone how dare they pie uh, a man in the face it's lovely to see Michael O'Leary's attitude which I wish I thought of that. <laughs> and he didn't even ban them for life from Ryanair. He's, he's kind not of... at all. He, he got he got sent someone away uh, with it to get his jacket cleaned, and immediately started making jokes about it. That's what he does. Um, I think he probably uh, would admire what uh, the climate activists were doing if he had a microphone beside him. He'd have immediately given us all a lecture on how Ryan, what Ryanair is doing uh, for sustainability. Because let's face it, they've ordered. Uh, 220 aircraft which uh, have emissions which are less than one quarter the emissions that there would have been on the same aircraft eight yeah. years ago so he is, he is uh, you know there's a way that you can actually stop aviation uh, but you can decarbonise it and that's the route that well, it well there you go he, we, he's burned up minutes of, of us talking to each other now talking about him and Ryanair again the reason we, no wanted, to, we wanted, wanted to get you on because is you know with rampant inflation here with fuel prices going up kids going back to school parents are feeling a little under pressure and now we read uh, that the cost of holidays uh, is going to soar by 58% with the inflation rocketing. The cost of a package holiday has risen by 58% in a year. What's going on? Uh, it's the same inflation that uh, is haunting us at home. It's haunting every hotel and every airline in Europe. And we're coming off a very low cost base. One of the things that you keep explaining uh, when you're in the industry and people look at you incredulously is that it's actually cheaper to go on holidays now, um, pound for euro, than it was in the 80s. The reason is the costs have come down. The airlines have become a more efficient. Low-cost aviation has arrived. What the, we've seen is a little bit of a creep-up um, aviation fuel was a big part of it but the biggest part of his prices on the ground food and energy and staffing and all of that are uh, there is bigger pressure in Spain and Portugal as they are at home uh, package holidays they're more complicated there's more risk involved we saw for instance with the fires in um, Greece earlier this year that the package holiday companies were the ones immediately um, said uh, and nobody everybody gets their money back or gets a change of date I was just talking to them a couple of minutes ago about having met one of the two 
Ratatouille at the golf here and they were saying their biggest problem was getting people home they wanted to stay there so package holidays they involve a greater degree of customer service and risk so prices are going to start uh, creeping I think what happened was there was a little bit of a delay a year and a half after the pandemic that they didn't push prices up because they were afraid people wouldn't travel again now people are travelling they're probably chasing a lot of their lost millions yeah, okay, and I'm I'm seeing the prices of you know any casual perusal of airlines online. Um, I, I was looking at uh, long haul flights, uh, uh, well, mid mid haul flights, I suppose. Uh, somebody said you should go to Dubai for Christmas to, to check out the price of the flights. Just incredible. Yeah, yeah they've doubled. Christmas is a big problem because, you know, the winter schedules come down at Halloween and they stay down till just after St. Patrick's Day in the number of flights uh, because airlines traditionally lose money in winter. They have a big opportunity to make money over Christmas, but you can't mobilise your entire fleet for that fortnight or three weeks. Um, the Emirates uh, schedule to Dubai, it comes under a lot of pressure uh, for demand around that time of the year because we have a big emigrate community, let's face it, from India, Pakistan, and uh, Australia is always a huge favourite with the Irish and the Australians going the other direction. So it will, unless we get extra aircraft on that route um, for that period, it's going, the prices are going to be fairly high. And uh, the same applies with all the long-haul aircraft. Air, air, long-haul airfares have gone up by a higher proportion than short-haul. I reckon over 40% increase yeah. in long-haul fares. And we've seen strange stuff like, uh, because uh, Australia got so disconnected during the pandemic, and a lot of Australians needed to get back, uh, prices flying from Ireland to Australia got really high. Usually Australians pay more to come to Ireland on a return flight than Irish people pay to go to Australia on a return flight. That's the peculiarity of the aviation business but for about 18 months it was the other way around. Yeah, I was reading there's going to be seven flights per week in the winter between uh, Ryanair and uh, Aer Lingus to Tenerife. There, there would have been two uh, when Aer Lingus came off that route in, in the winter last year. Uh, can Cork sustain seven flights a week? I believe one Aer Lingus flight is leaving five minutes after a Tenerife flight um, by Ryanair. What's the sense in that? Uh, it happens all the time. The airlines go into competition with each other and they leave 10 minutes apart and somebody would love a three in the afternoon flight so instead you end up with two flights leaving around the same time. It's what they do. It's in sort of they compete with each other uh, fairly aggressively like that. I do think uh, Cork has, can sustain Tenerife. It's a lovely island. It's sort of a, an older person's island. The old joke about it was it was for the newlywed and nearly dead. Uh, they have a, love, a theme park. Uh, they got a lot of bad publicity out of the wildfires this year. Uh, they didn't affect the holidays. There were the mountains, some of the mountain roads to Tida were uh, affected. But it is a wonderful island. And the Irish love affair is really with Lanzarote, but it's would be great to see Tenerife uh, getting those sort of numbers and it's great to yeah. see Cork getting the service because some of those Cork's, uh, uh, Cork routes haven't been reloaded for summer of next year which uh, there is a bit of a delay in that so I worry a little bit always when Cork uh, there's a delay in loading the summer routes for Cork that some of them might need to happen but uh, Cork, the Cork people need to support their airport um, because airlines come and airlines go but if they get the proper support they'll stay Okay. I can talk to you all morning, and I'm, I'm sorry we're kind of, um, as always, we're pressured for time on a Friday morning. But uh, Owen Curry, enjoy the golf. Enjoy the cake. Thank <laughs> Thanks a million. Talk to you again. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday 0818 104 106. 
12 minutes to 12 midday and it's always nice after a hectic week on the Neil Prendable Show to relax and play out musically. Dylan Brickley from Whitechurch joins us. Uh, morning to you, Dylan. Morning, Mick. How are you? Oh, very good. Whitechurch. That's, uh, that's a place I have family, actually. My brother-in-law lives there. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, Keith Kelly. Oh, yeah, I know the car expert, yeah. The car expert. <laughs> uh, yeah, Keith fancies himself as a bit of a singer as well, but uh, we haven't had him in yet on a Friday morning. Uh, but delighted to have you here. Yeah, you, you hit number one on the Irish iTunes recently with your song, Close to You. Yeah, yeah, that was back in April. No, that was my uh, debut song. And uh, yeah, I was delighted with all the support and... I got a good run of it that time and I'm coming back with another one now soon. A song called Sometimes. What happened with Key and the Crow? I know you were you were, you were playing a few tunes with him in, in, in Dwyer's. Is there a story there, little birdie tells me? Yeah, so I was playing a gig in Dwyer's and um, I see a lot of his band band members were there. But um, yeah, I know Key and down through the years we started out busking together back in the day. And uh, he I didn't know he was coming in actually, but he walked in uh, halfway through the gig and I ended up singing one of his songs and he jumped up then and we, we just got a, an old uh, Joe Echo on. Brilliant. His star's really, really on the rise, isn't it? You, of course, you played Electric Picnic as well on the, on the three stage. Yeah, I was playing at the weekend. Uh, it was unbelievable opportunity and uh, hopefully you now we get there again next year. I yeah. was up with my friend uh, Corey Power. He plays music with me as well. So, um, yeah, it was great to be a part of such a big festival, yeah. Brilliant. Original song. Tell us about it. Yeah, so this next one is uh, it's called Sometimes and it's been released on October 6th on iTunes and Spotify. And um, yeah, I think it's going to go well. It's kind of like a pop song and yeah, I'm going to play a small bit of it. The airwaves are yours. Off you go. You tell me I'm crazy. You say that I've lost my mind. You were the shoulder to cry on. But I was left with no one by my side, oh, 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 This doesn't feel like love sometimes, oh, 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 But life goes on, I'm just trying to take the pain away. It's okay not to be okay, trying to take the pain away. Cause I keep slipping back to my old ways, oh, 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 oh. The more I try, the less I learn, oh, oh, oh. Love shouldn't feel like it does sometimes You act different with your friends We never fix things and make amends How many special people change I'm left picking the pieces up again Oh, oh, oh This doesn't feel like love sometimes Oh, oh, oh But life goes on I'm just trying to take the pain away Okay, not to be okay, trying to take the pain away. Cause I keep slipping back to my old ways. So, oh, 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 the more I try, the less I learn. Oh, 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 love shouldn't feel like it does sometimes. Love shouldn't feel like it does sometimes. I just want another day like this. I want to wake up next to you I want another day like this How can I get true to you? Oh, 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 oh I'm just trying to take the pain away It's okay not to be okay Trying to take the pain away I keep slipping back to my old ways Oh, 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 oh. The more I try, the less I learn Oh, 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 oh. 
Love shouldn't feel like it does sometimes. Brilliant stuff. Thanks very much. Oh, fabulous. Dylan Brickley from Whitechurch, and that is an original song. I know you want to do a cover as well. Let me just uh, tell people that they can catch you at Other Voices in UCC. That's happening on the 28th of uh, September. Uh, and that song's due to be released October 6th, is it? Yeah, October 6th. And it's, uh, How do you release a song these days? Is that just goes, goes up online streaming or something, or is it a CD? So, or? so you have to sign up to a distribution company, and um, it's called DistroKid, and they just... You upload the song, upload the images and stuff, and then you just pick a release date and it just puts it on all the platforms, so it's good. That's brilliant. Yeah, okay. yeah. What, what what cover would you like to do for us? Um, do you know what? No, I'm going to do uh, an Oasis song. Yeah, just move the mic closer to the guitar box, if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah, and a little bit back, or sit back a little bit. My mic just trying to get the better sound if we can. Um, okay, you want to do an Oasis cover? Yeah. Which this one's one? called uh, Stand By Me. I'm just going to do uh, okay. a small bit. a lot of things to learn You said I wouldn't I believe in one day before my heart starts to burn So what's the matter with you Sing me something new And don't you know the cold and wind and the rain don't know Always see to come and go away Stand by me Nobody knows The way it's gonna be Stand by me Nobody knows The way it's gonna be Stand by me Nobody knows Yeah, God only knows Won't you take me with you? I'm tired of talking on my phone. And there is one thing I can never give you. The things we find behind the door. So what's the matter with you? Sing me something new. Don't you know the cold and wind and the rain don't know Always seems to come and go away And hey, yeah, stand by me Nobody knows the way it's gonna be Stand by me, nobody knows God only knows the way it's 
gonna be. Superstar of the future, Dylan Brickley is from Whitechurch, and thank you for coming in today. Cheers, uh, mate. Thank and, you. And really hope the career goes well. Uh, really hope there's more association with Kendra Crow, even Ed Sheeran, and, yeah. uh, and and hope everything goes well for you on September 28th. Other voices at UCC, and with your song sometimes due to be released on October 6th. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Cheers. mate. Sit down there while I give away some grub, will you? Let's go to line one and to Chloe on Free Food Friday. Hiya, Chloe. Hiya. Uh, you've been, uh, as long as I've been doing this programme, you guys have been texting in AOC commercials in Carrick Tools. Noreen, Susan, yeah. and all the lads are with you there for the shout-out. Go on, give us a shout. Yeah. Are you happy? Right. Yeah, I was elated, yeah. <laughs> OK, you're going to have to stretch it a little bit. I know there's eight in the office, then you've got the workshop and the mechanics, about 30 people there in total. But we'll do all we can to put a, put a big amount of food your way this afternoon. Uh, so well done, and thank you to our sponsors here, of course, each and every Friday. Thanks, guys, but goodbye. Thank uh, you. And bye. that is Rooster's Piri Piri in Douglas and Blackpool and our Free Food Friday winners. My thanks to the show's producers for the week, and that is Seamus Wheelahan, Claire O'Connor, and Lee Nagel. We're back on Monday morning after news at 9. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.